Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also returning to the show, he is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. He is the co-host himself, Coach Duffy. What's going on, everybody? Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. It was a big week since we last spoke about sports, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find our links on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH because we have to kick this show off. Recapping the biggest event of the week, and that had to be UFC 251. Uh-huh. We went to Fight Island, gentlemen. Yeah. Thoughts on that first and foremost? I thought it was interesting. It was, it was a different feel, a different look to it. It, you know, and it felt a little odd, but not in a bad way. But overall, it was a good night of card, good night of fights, I should say. Coach, yeah, I mean, it was uh, interesting uh, night that we had. Yeah, you know? we definitely did. Uh, so definitely don't want to leave that out of it. And then, uh, as far as the fights go, ups and downs. You know, uh, some high, some low, some interesting uh, tidbits. Uh, some interesting characters came out of that card. Yes, they did. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a great show. You know, kudos to the UFC for being able to, you know, have six days notice and find a guy willing to get into uh, into the octagon with, you know, arguably pound for pound one of the top fighters in the UFC right now. So good for Mazdival and, you know, good for Usman too because, you know, just cemented his legacy. Absolutely. We had a kind of crazy night here. If you were on the Twitch stream with us, twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. We were live streaming the event with our friends over at Three Fat Nerds. Having uh, a great time. Having a great time. time. That was a lot of great feedback. I, I almost want to say we almost had 100 views. Wow. Like we were really rocking and rolling going into the main card, and then lightning struck literally <laughs> as we were ending the, first, the second stream. And we unfortunately had a blackout locally. So power was lost for, I want to say, what, over 5,000 residents yeah. here locally. So. Unfortunately, due to the blackout, we had to go move locations. Couldn't continue the Twitch stream. We did make it in time, though, for the second fight on the main card. So we Uh did miss the first one. I did watch it, so I can speak a little bit on it. But we are going to be recapping the main card. So let's get into it, Pad. Yeah, so the first fight on the main card was in the women's flyweight division between Paige Van Zant, making her much-anticipated return, uh, taking on Amanda Ribas. Uh, and Amanda Ribas defeated Paige Van Zant via armbar in the first round. Now, when you say much-anticipated uh return that must have been for the uh, you know people who are a Paige Van Zant fan because Dana White was less than stout, pleased about that performance. Yeah, didn't he say something to the effect of maybe she should try free agency? Yes. Yeah. He was not a fan of uh, the post-fight, shall we say. No. Uh, after the after the fight, he was definitely very blunt about what he thought about uh, the future of Paige Van Sant in the UFC. And Rebus looked great. I mean, obviously, submission in the first round, you can't go wrong with that. Oh, and, kudos to her. I mean, yeah. submission early on, that's great. Yeah, and for Paige Van Sant, who has... You know, I will say a kind of a polarizing reaction with MMA fans yeah. because she came in under a lot of hype. 
Yeah, yeah. And has not really delivered on the skill level. Right. I mean, because you look at her record prior to coming into UFC, uh, she made her UFC UFC debut back in a fight night uh, in November of 2014. And prior to that, she was four and one. So clearly the hype was there. But then you switch and you you just look at the record from the time she's in the UFC. She's five and four. Yeah. So it definitely hasn't been the next big thing, shall we say, as Ronda Rousey was. Right. the Brock Lesners, and you know when when we have a big hype fighters that come in. I mm-hmm. mean, this is kind of like along the same lines of Sage Northcutt, if you remember oh, yeah. him. Yeah, he was supposed to be the next big dominant fighter in the divisions. And got knocked out his first fight. Yeah, I mean, Paige Van Zandt has definitely not been that kind of fighter. No, I mean, is she a skilled fighter? Yes, yeah. but but is she on that same level as the elite fighters? No, honestly, I don't think so. No, and Dana, like we said, was not holding anything back when he said, "I think she should really try free agency." Because I know it was her contract is now officially up with the UFC, so yep. where she goes from here is anybody's guess. But I don't expect to see her back in the UFC octagon anytime soon. No. Maybe a squared circle. Mm. You never know. Mm. You never know. So next fight up on the card. Uh, it was in the women's strawweight division between Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade. Uh, and Thug Rose won uh, by split decision. Yep. <laughs> Thoughts on this? Well, I mean, we'll talk about, uh, you know, earlier in the card, there was another split decision that was given to the, or was that later in the night, where the fighter had uh, gotten a little more face face abuse, and the uh, they had no, talked that, was, about, that was in the prelims. That was in the prelims. All right, and they had talked about, well, you know, the judges obviously went with whoever sustained the most damage. Yeah. The opposite happened here. So I know we'll probably get into the judges uh, in oh, one of the later yeah. cards coming uh, fights that come up. But, you know, it's interesting the fact that earlier in the night they gave, uh, you know, because uh, Ruby had a hell of a shiner yeah. on that left eye of hers. Yeah. I mean, that thing was a bubbling. Um, so, you know, I, I, that fight, you know, I kind of was leading towards uh, the opposite end of that. I didn't really think Ruby had done much to to win the fight on a split decision, but I mean, they don't leave it to the judges. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the things because early in the fight, the one you're talking about was the Slakov and okay. Dos Anjos fight. Okay, because that was the one that his face was already. It looked like he had a broken oh, nose. Yeah, going yeah, into yeah, yeah. It, okay, okay. Prelims, and that was the one that he looked like he took the most damage, and then he got the decision. So when it came time for Rose and Andrade. Uh, or yeah, Jessica Andrade. This was one that we were like, okay, how is this going to play out? Because Rose definitely was wearing the fight literally on her face because <laughs> yeah. Andrade was landing with some shots left and right. And this was a rematch from their first time where Rose really stuck to the game plan that was working in the first fight. She was sticking and moving, landing a lot of two-piece combos, and she was keeping Andrade at bay, which was smart because when Andrade would get close, she started landing shots on her. Mm-hmm. And then second and third round, it definitely seemed like Rose was picking up her pace. She was working the angles. She was definitely landing shots and keeping the distance because last time she got slammed for the knockout, she was making sure it didn't happen again. Yeah, I had this scored as a split decision in her favor, so I had no issue with this for the judging. Where she goes from here is anybody's guess. The strawweight division is going to be one to watch for the women's division. A lot of great fights they can mix and match going in the future. Mm-hmm. Next up on the card. Uh, was in the bantamweight division between Peter Yan and Jose Aldo for the vacant bantamweight championship, uh, where Peter Yan defeated Jose Aldo via TKO and punches. should know this was in the fifth round, although arguably should have stopped a lot sooner. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. Yeah, I mean, uh, Aldo was on his stomach, uh, you know, just taking blow after blow after blow. And, I mean, 
was he defending himself? You know, arguably one could say a no. little bit, you know, well, I mean, he was moving around and squirmishing. And at one point he did uh, roll off the cage and almost was able to uh, get back up to his feet, you know, although ultimately it wasn't. But at one point when those haymakers were coming in and you saw just the body just laying there, it was like, all right, enough is enough. You know yeah, I mean? Yeah. That should have been the point where, you know, after punch three or four, that the um, – should have been stopped, but you know, you got five, six, seven in, and you're like, Whoa, yeah. There was a point in that fight towards the end of the fight, like you mentioned, where he's just landing blow after blow after blow, and Aldo's just turtling. He's not even effectively defending, like trying to get off of him, and this and that. He's literally just covering his head as, he's, as he lays there. That you had a, a, a lot of the writers on Twitter, you know, the, the Ariel Hawanis, the Kevin Iolis, the Brett Okamoto's on Twitter, all at the same time going, Oh my god, what do we have to do to stop this? This is just not even worth continuing. Well, I just want to, you know, Ken, real quick as the UFC guy, I mean, there needs to be something done about when a guy is on the mat that way, um, all, you know, defenseless, not defenseless, moving, not moving. The punches to the back of the head in that position, I feel, are way higher. Like, I mean, I feel like Aldo took maybe three or four while, you know, he's trying to, you know, maneuver those hammer fists into a position where um, – you know, he's not hitting him in the back of the head, but ultimately he is, you know, something needs to be done about that to me because while a guy's trying to defend himself, but now, you know, it's against, cause it's against the rules to punch yep. in the back of the head, you know, and he's trying his best to hammer fist, but ultimately this hammer fist are landing on the back of the head. How is that fair for Aldo to try and maneuver out of that when he's got to deal with that now? It's a tricky line. Yeah, I will, it's I, tough. I, I'll be fully honest about this. It's a very tricky position for the referees to be in because what they're trying to assess is what angle the shot is coming in and how much damage is it doing straight to the back of the head. Is it deliberate? Is it not? There's a lot of different factors that go into that. And I do agree. They need to really have a set precedent of mm -hmm. what constitute as a back of the head blow. I think they are going to be looking into it a little bit more so with this fight. I mean, there has been worse case scenarios than this. I will say that. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, but, but, but I just it, no, no. this was because the whole time we were watching this, I'm thinking while well, Aldo is taking, you know, those hammer fists and, and some of them are landing him in the back of the head. And it's like, well, I mean, what the hell is he to do? Because now, you know, while he's trying to cover up, now he's not able, you know, he's got to watch for the back of his mm -hmm. head because those aren't being stopped. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's, it's a tricky area to try figuring out because it's, it ultimately, in my opinion, comes down to the referee's discretion. Sure. And it's a scary thing when a referee is not in a good position to see where the blows are hitting. Yeah. See, that is one thing. I, I know they a lot of times you'll notice referees will stay in one position. Right. Because they're, they're trying to look for a tap or a, a verbal stop or a verbal, you know, I quit. It What they should try doing is maneuvering maybe a little bit more. Like, right. Like, I'm not saying go make like a full circle around but be the, be active be yeah. be an athlete in there you know i, I was all, i gotta say i was also having flashbacks of john jones matt hamill back yeah. in 2009 when john was just absolutely beating the shit out of matt hamill go back and watch that footage mm -hmm. to where the point where john looked at the ref i forget who the ref was hey he looked at he's yeah, like stop it he's like Mario well, yamasaki he looked at the ref and i went, think it was he looked at the ref and go basically looked at him and was like what more do i have to do i was having the deja vu with this fight because no respect to jose aldo one of the best fighters there is he wasn't doing shit no. And, he's, and he's on the ground turtling up, and, and 
Peter Yan's just beating the yeah. whole, beating the holy hell out of him. And, and I'm, I'm not, like, call the fight here. And I'm not taking away anything from Yan's performance, certainly, oh, because not. I mean, no, no. dissected him. I'm just saying from the standpoint of, in other instances, this is not the first time that a guy's been on his stomach trying to maneuver to get his way back. But, you know, punches to the back of the head fucking hurt. Oh, absolutely. That shit hurts. Oh, so th- you take these and you sustain these blows and that could be ultimately what you know makes you turtle up and, and lead to not being able to get back into a fight. Yeah, absolutely. No, I fully agree with you on that. That's one thing I was noticing too is I, they seem to lock in one position. I understand they're trying to look if a choke was getting put in place or, right. or next submission. There isn't. If you're raining shots, I understand you're trying to see what the fight's doing and see if the fighter's trying to tap. But you also should just, as you're doing it, kind of glance up a little more. And I think that's one thing they didn't do in this fight. Not saying it was the deterrent, but no. But I, but I agree with you though. I think it's something they need to look at, and it's tough too because they were up at this point against the cage. Yes. So I mean, for him to be able to sweep across, you know, the only way for him to actively be able to do it is to come around the fighters. Which you know, when you're shuffling aside, now you know you're lined up and you're you know almost like a, a, a batter pitcher or a batter catcher umpire type you know behind each other you can't see that choke coming so yeah yeah, that's a dangerous position so unless you really scoot across it's tough it's one area that they're going to definitely like i say they need to take a look at i don't want them to have a referee on the outside of the cage looking in because i think i I think that kind of complexes a lot that goes on to the fight and i and like i say it's something that i know they're going to try working at because i imagine because this this seems to be I don't want to say a growing problem, but it's a very noticeable problem. Well, you know, I just had the idea, though, of an outside ref, and I think the only instance where if they do an outside ref where maybe the ref can outside ref can kind of jump in is have the outside ref there so that frees up the inside ref to go around and really keep an eye on things so that way the outside ref can stay there. And if the ref is so if, if I'm on one side being the ref and the outside ref's on the other side, I can move around and I keep going. That outside ref, if he sees a tap and I'm not on the right side, that outside ref can go tap, tap, Tap in particularly, this might work when they're against the cage. Yeah, yeah. So just just have it so that the outside ref can't call anything else. But if he's there for outs for saying, "Hey, he's tapping," well, then that kind of frees up the ref to move around and and kind of really get a good look at things. It wouldn't be a bad idea, but like I say, the only thing that you're going to get into the you know kind of a gray area, so to speak. Right. Well, Yen's in a tough position too because while. Aldo's moving his head. He's trying to land blows because he has to show that he's working. Otherwise, yeah. no, they're going to stand up. up. So it's not fair to him either. It's just it's a it's a you know it's a tough predicament be- for both positions or all three positions mm-hmm. because it's just you know the way the fight game goes. Oh, it's just, I wish that in some way that the fighter could be on the bottom could be protected a little bit more from sustaining those blows to the back of the head. No, it's a great argument. I, I don't fault that at all. Like I said, you, you fall into a gray area, though, of where is too much refereeing involved. Mm-hmm. Because as we're going to get into for the next fight, when you're we're talking about multiple judges, what yeah. are they looking at, yeah. that could be the argument against it. But I do I do think, though, if they had somebody on the outside of the cage watching that or you know assign different areas that they should be watching for ground opponents and ground attacks – that might be an area if this continues. But like I say, it's becoming more of a noticeable problem, uh-huh. at least in the past six months, I'll say. Yeah. But for this fight, though, Pirian and Jose Aldo, Aldo stepping down to 135, I, I will, I've said this multiple times, I'll say it again. I don't really like him at 135. I think, no. he, I think the weight cut definitely throws him off, and it definitely looked it in this one because the one area that I thought he struggled was when we got to the deep rounds. Like, Pirian won the first round decisively, no question about that. 
Aldo did bounce back, though, and had better striking. They both started doing a lot of body shots, which was one very telling point of this fight. In the third round, though, it was one It was very close. I thought Aldo was winning the round, but later Jan started turning it on. The fourth round was all Peter Jan. That, no question about that. The body shots took him out. Or oh, some of those, yeah, yeah. Some of those were just like I don't. I think it's even worse because there's no audience mm-hmm. and you can't hear a crowd because some of those sounds coming from those body shots were just awful. That you knew Aldo was finished. He should have been finished in that round. The fact it got to the fifth, yeah, he had, he had nothing left and he was the defeated fighter. I think a lot of it though, as, co- as coach touched upon, was back of the head shots. I think we're starting to wear a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, was it the you know the complete factor in this fight? No, absolutely not. Jan just was a better fighter, and that's why he won. That's why Aldo at this stage I think should go back up to 155. I, yeah. I don't like him at 135. I understand he could try making a run. I mean, he had no issue making the weight cut. He just, I don't know, he did not look right in, that, in this weight. No. But as for Peter Jan, he has now filled in the vacant bantamweight title. Uh-huh. His next fight, if all goes according to plan, and I hope it does, is Aljamain Sterling. Sure. Long overdue for that fight. I'd say so. I don't see any other competition there. Albeit, though, they can definitely throw in a Cody Garbrandt if they want. They can definitely mix and match some names in that division. The bantamweight is getting a lot stronger for a division, yeah. which is good. I, I think so they need it. The more parity you have in a division makes it a stronger one, as we're going to see as we go up to the next fight, uh-huh. which had the most controversy. Yep. And I definitely want to get the panel's opinion on this one. Pad? Uh, this was uh, the co-main event for the featherweight championship with Alexander Volkanovsky defending his belt against Max Holloway. Uh, and Alexander Volkanovsky defeated Max Holloway by split decision. Uh, the results being, and since we're going to get into judging, I will read the d- uh, scores on this one. Uh, the this, uh, scores were 47-48, 48-47, and 48-47. Coach, your thoughts? Well, uh, I think this was set up from previous fight from a few months ago. Dominic Reyes versus John Jones. Mm-hmm. The champion, you know, uh, suffered early losses in rounds, one and two, definitively. Yep. Max Holloway absolutely run those, won those rounds. Round three, in same in the John Jones fight, Reyes won one and two. Then round three happened. Now, who or what happens in round three is, I guess, up to, you know, you and your ideas of who won a fight. Uh, or who uh, wins a round. Just to interject, I should note all three judges, because uh, I'm looking at the official scorecard, uh, all three judges had the third round going to Volkanovski. There you go. So, I mean, that's up to your interpretation of who you think won the fight or won the round. You, we in the group thought Holloway had done enough in the third round to, no, not you, Ken. All right. No. Well, the third round is questionable, all yeah. right? Just, yeah. God, just go with me for a second here. I'm and then, you. Uh, you know, round four and five obviously uh, went to the champion. For sure, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, a split decision, uh, tough loss. A lot of UFC people were, like, up in arms over this. But, as we talked about, this was already, you know, there was already a precursor for this. The John Jones-Dominic Reyes fight already led to, yeah. hey, if you don't, you know, beat the man, then you aren't the man. If you can't win four of the five rounds and you leave one questionable, the judges are going to side with the champion, which... 
it makes sense. They yeah. did. Pad? Uh, I'm just looking at the stats from UFC.com. Uh, total strikes. Alexander Volkanovsky had 139 uh, out of uh, compared to uh, Holloway's 111. And then for significant strikes, uh, Volkanovsky had 137 significant strikes compared to Holloway's 102. Uh, and I just look at the scorecard because mm. this is the first time I've seen the scorecard. Uh, this is literally like one round away from being a unanimous decision. So I'm going to just read off the scorecard, and I won't use names because Lord knows I don't want to condone or endorse anybody going after these people. Yeah, going allegedly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the white uh, color judge, uh, and that is uh, that's on the scorecard. It's white, blue, and yellow. Uh, the uh, it's true, it is. Yeah, <laughs> coach, look at it. The white uh, scorecard for the judge uh, had. Uh, the first round going to Max Holloway, 10-9. Second round going to Holloway, 10-9. Uh, and then rounds three and four going 10-9 to uh, Volkanovski. And then the final round going to Volkanovski. Uh, the only difference, just to shorten this up in the in this, is the second judge gave the final round to Holloway. Outs- outside that, everything else is identical. Like, I'm not even kidding. Well, so, the stat numbers, too, of the the strikes, I'm really surprised to see Holloway got out-punched because, I mean, he was throwing a shit ton of jabs and kicks. Yeah. So I'm really surprised to see that he was out-striked in this. Significant strikes, I mean, you know, that's to interpretation of, you know, blows that count that way. Um, but, yeah, I'm really surprised because those early two rounds, he was landing a shit ton of kicks and jabs. Round three, yeah. Yeah, so going to this judge's scorecard, the yellow card and the white card had Holo- or, um, Volkanovski winning three out of the five. Uh-huh. And then the blue card for judge number two had it going 3-2 Holloway. Yep. Okay. So my takeaway, and, and I was pointing out on Twitter too, because I actually was live tweeting the fight, so that's why I wanted to just call up. Because I even said for the third round, I said – is a close round. It's a coin flip. Giving this one to the champ, but I could see this going Max's way as okay, well. Okay, yeah. so I wasn't wrong in my uh, thought process. Of no, no, but we I, had agreed that the third round could have been for oh, Holloway. It, it, it definitely could have been. That's why I just want to clarify. Yeah, it definitely could have been, and that's why you're seeing so much. I don't want to say outrage because that's not the right word. No, but, you're but just you're, seeing controversy. You're yeah. seeing the the complaining and the groping, uh, groaning. You know, I mean. Holloway said himself that he didn't do enough to win. So, I mean, and in itself. Just looking at the stats for round three in specific, and it's not super in-depth on stats for the UFC's website. Uh, For distance strikes, it does appear that uh, they gave uh, Volkanovski 25 to 12 on Holloway's uh, end. And then for clinch, it just says zero for Volkanovski and three for uh, Holloway. Yeah, it was one of those areas that this was a very good fight, and it was very back and forth. I mean, you could say what you will about Max's style. Max is fighting a lot like the Diaz brothers. He does work his jab yeah, a lot. He stays yeah. out of the, the I mean, You know who I thought he looked like a lot was uh, John Jones. Yeah, there's a, there's elements of that. They yeah. they do a lot more sticking and moving. Like, well, it's just, yeah. you got those long arms. Yeah. you got the reach. Jab and move, jab and move, you know? And I think that Holloway had the smart game plan, albeit, though, his whole training camp was done via Zoom, yeah, which is absolutely wild to me. In hindsight, might not have been the best idea. No, definitely not, but I think under the COVID era right now, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not faulting him about that. It was just wild to hear that that's all he did for his training camp was Zoom. Yeah, that was wild. I mean, good for him because he did, you know – well, I guess, you know, rounds one and two, he looked fantastic. You mm-hmm. know, looked like he was in shape, cardio-wise, everything. Round three, obviously, and then once you start talking the championship rounds of four and five, he just looked a little winded. Yeah, so anything is possible 
where the judges are kind of deciding what you want to do. And that's why I say he did look winded in those later rounds. Like, he just looked like everything caught up to him. And that's when Volkanovski took over. He took over the championship rounds. Not like Max has not been there before. No, he has. But this was one area that Volkanovski weathered the storm. And like I said, that third round, it was so back and forth. I mean, that was your that was your deciding championship round. Mm-hmm. I think that you, if you tried saying the Max didn't win one and two, I think there's an issue. I, I would oh, really yeah. have with that. And Volkanovski dominated the last two rounds. Oh, yeah. So that being said, where do you go from here with Volkanovski and where do you go with Max? That's your question you got to ask. For Max, I think it's a little tougher question now because you could do an immediate rematch, maybe question mark, because Dana White has been very vocal. He thought the judging was awful in this one. He yeah. said, and I, I don't think it was him, but I think other MMA media has been saying it was highway robbery. Like it was mm. just oh you know, yeah, I saw a couple tweets like that. So you could make that argument. There is tomorrow as we're recording a UFC card over in Fight Island, Yaz Island, and it's Qatar versus Ig. Um, that could the winner could go fight Max, hmm. and I think that that would make a lot of sense too. I think that for Max to take the time off and wait for an opponent to rise up to to see where he wants to go, I think makes a lot of sense. For Volkanovski, I think there's one of two scenarios you can do. There's a gentleman in that featherweight division by the name of Sabit. That's true. He is currently looking at the UFC.com's rankings, uh, the number two ranked fighter in the featherweight division. Mm. I think that he would be an excellent challenge for Volkanovski. In fact, I like Sabit a lot in that one, a real lot. Or Volkanovski could wait for the winner of Brian Ortega and the Korean Zombie. Ooh. Which, unless they want to take one of those fighters out and put them in the, the title picture, which I know Korean Zombie called his shot and said, don't worry about going to the judges. It won't make it that far. <laughs> and I love Korean Zombie. I think he's I amazing. Like, you got me sold on the Korean Zombie idea. Yeah. Oh. I I mean, I would think go, you know, at first, I was like, yeah, Holloway, I mean, the th- trilogy makes sense. You know, I mean, unfortunately, now Holloway has lost two of the two fights against uh, against them. So I guess I would go one versus – I would go two. Who was two? Zabib. Zabib. I would go Zabib. And then I would go Holloway uh, versus the winner of the fight on Fight Island. Okay. And then throw them, you know – Whoever wins the uh, championship fight have the champ- have Holloway and that guy going against each other down the road. Yeah, I mean, there there is a little bit of, like, leeway you can do for fights because I don't think anybody would really be mad if Zabit went there yeah. or the winner. Uh, just to interject, Zabit can't take the fight. He's scheduled to face Yair Rodriguez on August 29th, 2020 at UFC Fight Night 176. Well, you f***ed this up. Maybe so, but the UFC could definitely pull some fighters if they wanted to. I mean, that's the one thing about having a deep division. The featherweight one has now really got some interesting fights that can mix and match. So if Dana really wanted to pull somebody out of a fight to do that, I'm sure he would. Uh, for Zabit, yeah, you're Rodriguez, man. That's not going to be a good fight. So that being said, we'll have to wait and see what's going on in the featherweight division. But we now got to talk the main event and all mm-hmm. the craziness that went involved with it. Yeah. Uh, so that was, of course, the matchup in the welterweight division between Kamaru Usman, the champion, and Jorge Masvidal, st- of course, stepping in on six days' notice. Uh, K- Kamaru Usman defended his belt via unanimous decision and in dominating fashion. Holy shit, I didn't realize this until I looked at the stats on UFC.com. Uh, total strikes. Kamaru Usman, 263. Jorge Masvidal, 88. Coach, your thoughts? 
I, like I said during watching this fight, if I was Mazdival, and I mean in in this fight, you know, he was uh, clinch game was strong yes. for Usman. <laughs> to I say mean, the least. way strong, and he had him pinned up against the cage for what felt like eternity. I don't even know how long it was. I mean, it was like when the Giants played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Time of possession was two to one. And I'm, I'm trying to remember that game, but nothing's coming. Yeah, nothing's coming to coming mind. mind. Yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of the finer game gamesmanship, if you will, of the UFC and Usman taking advantage of the foot stops. Mm-hmm. And I said this many of times during the fight. If I was Mazdival, I would have need this man in the balls for well, stepping on my foot that much. Yeah, there was a lot of I, low blows during that entire fight night. I would have been, I would have had it after stomp number four and said, enough is enough. I'm sending a message. Knee, meet groin, meet you on the floor. No more. Yeah. And when he laid on, when Usman would have fell to the ground after that knee, I would have looked at him and said, you stomp on my foot again, and I'm doing it again. And I don't even care if I lose the fight at this point because, my God, he, I mean, it wasn't even just stomps. It was heel to toe, yeah, heel on toe every time. It was brutal. Oh, I would have been pissed. The knee, you know, the the Muay Thai clinch and the the knees to the inner thigh. All right, whatever. Like that's 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 a good, that's a legit move. But you keep stomping on my goddamn foot, and you are gonna meet my knee. It was one of those, you know, elements of the fight because you knew there was bad blood between both those mm-hmm. fighters. I mean, we all knew about this. So. That being said, there's going to be a lot of animosity, and you're going to see it definitely in the cage. I mean, we weren't expecting a lot of dirty shots. But no, definitely. I'm just saying but what, yeah, but what yeah, but I would have done. You know, I would have yeah. sent a message. And especially because the whole history of this fight with Masvidal too. jumping in six days' notice because Gilbert Burns tested positive for COVID, so he had to get removed from the fight. This is the fight that was originally planned way back when, so the UFC worked the deal out with uh, Masvidal on a new deal. I don't know the details of it. But, backed that truck up. But they definitely backed up a lot of money for him, and looking at the pay-per-view numbers for this card, 1.3 million buys, Ooh. which is Conor McGregor, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey level. That being said, we were waiting to see what was going to happen here with Masvidal, obviously, a lot of hype behind him. He's won a lot of fans over. And take nothing away from Kamaru Usman, who gave a dominating performance on Colby Covington, which has now definitely made him a very, very exciting fighter to watch. But this fight, though, wasn't so exciting. It was a lot more of Usman using his game plan of wrestling to really stop Masvidal striking. You can say it was a boring fight. I think that could be an honest statement. You could say it. But I think that this one was a smart game plan by Usman. I know when we were talking with Rich from uh, Three Fat Nerds, he was saying, he goes, Usman's going to take him down all day, and that's going to be the game plan. I thought Usman was going to stand up and strike with him because he's been working out with Justin Gaethje. He just used those hands right on Colby Covington and you know left him decimated. So this one, not really so surprising, but Masvidal was blocking takedowns, but just once he got down on the ground, there was nothing. Yeah, I mean, just the fact once he got him up against the cage and was doing those, you know, those small shots, the small things uh, in that clinch, and then when he did take him to the ground, you know, Masvidal did get up, sometimes not as quick as he probably would have liked. Um, but you could just tell that this was a guy coming in on six days' notice, taking a fight against, you know, an elite fighter Mm. um i think given a full camp and time to train 
Mazival probably could have put on a little bit better of a performance. But then again, you know, Usman did exactly what his strengths were and what Mazival's weaknesses were, which was wrestling and uh, grappling. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Mazival say this that he'd been training for Usman the entire time? Mm-hmm. So he came into it having trained for him. Allegedly. My, my yeah. opinion, fuck you. This fight was atrocious. I almost <laughs> fell asleep during it. Motherfucker, you deserve to fight two more shot fights before you get another title. Wow! Shot. Oh, man. Wow. Come on, Pat come on! Firing shots. This, I can appreciate a technical fight. You know, where normally you might see fans in the if there were fans in the arena booing, but it's like oh, they're jabbing, they're back and forth. It's a chess match. I can appreciate this. This was GSP lamb. This was yeah. G- this was this that. was GSP lamb prey, and this to me was fucking boring. Mazidal is just looking at the stats. You got your ass handed to you looking at the judges scorecards i'll be honest the judges were kind in giving you 10 9 rounds it should have been 10 8 or 10 7 you do you do not deserve an immediate title shot like he might be calling for he actually is i'm, I'm Fuck getting you no you don't deserve a title shot another title shot you don't deserve a rematch you do, gotta fight at least one or two more fights have another high profile knockout to even warrant another title shot in my eyes I think the problem was that, um, I mean, Mazdival didn't let him get his hands free, mm-hmm. which you can't, I mean, yeah, if you're going to say that this was GSP lay and pray, that's on Usman, yeah. who, not on Mazdival, who was trying to bang. I mean, my God, he was taking punches and smiling. Yeah, he was smiling. Simply. <laughs> I mean, it was he was taking elbows right while laying you know, up against the cage. I mean, those were those short, quick elbows that really you know, make an impact, and he would just take them. And smile and look at Usman like, okay. But for all we know, he thought probably thought he was winning because his coaches might have been telling him that. Yeah, a, I mean, a la, what, what was it, Manny Pacquiao? Yeah, that's. I mean, we've had instances in the past where they've done that. I know he didn't have his main coach, Mike Brown, because he was sick with COVID too. Yeah, he didn't I, make it over. I just, you know, if you, I mean, if you're going to get G, the GSP thing, that's on Usman, no, not no, on Mazda. Oh, no, absolutely. Who, who, you know, at the end of the day, was he outclassed for sure? Because at the end of the day. Octagon control and uh, clinch and, you know, those strikes all added up. And if maybe he would have been able to get his hands free, there was a couple of shots that Mazdival threw, punch-wise, that if they would have landed on the button, would have been night-night. But, you know, unfortunately, you oh, know, yeah. m- you know, it's a game of inches, and he was off by an inch, and Ma- Usman was able to either, you know, brush it off or miss it completely and take him down and, and ground a pound. Yeah, it was absolutely scary to see the performance because, like Pat touched upon, it was GSP level of takedown. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. I, yeah. But again, though, I, you know, like Usman is that efficient at it, though, that even when he was laying on the ground, though, he still was active at least. Mm-hmm. GSP, though, I mean, he would get on the ground. And you want to talk about, like, you know, needing to stay uh, in control and active while laying on the ground and moving and showing control. That would just be him. You know, flopping around, you know, getting in side control, then mounting, then side control again, all that garbage. Usman was able to still land significant blows on the ground. It's just Mazival's a nut and would smile after taking them. Yeah, he was definitely ready for this. And I, I think this one is definitely going to be remembered for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, Mazvidal taking the fight on six days' notice has elevated his stock a lot with fans. Well, and probably with Dana, too, because, oh, I mean, oh, Dana. you do, you scratch his back, and he will scratch yours. Dana's already been singing his praises and saying now he's he's a bona fide star, which the only time he's kind of referred to that is Connor and Ronda and, and, the, and the big names. Now, we were talking off air about it. Can he draw another million buys his next fight? Yeah, I mean, it depends maybe. on who he puts in the octagon. With. I agree, yeah. I mean, with Connor, when he came back and fought Cowboy, Cowboy will chirp. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, everybody's buying the fight to see Connor. But they're seeing, you know, they want to see Cerrone 
knock out Connor. You know what right. I mean? So yeah, all right. I'm buying the fight because I want to watch Connor. But at the end of the day, I'm buying the fight because I want to see Cerrone beat Connor. With Mazdival, it's like, all right, who are you going to put him in? That's you know, I want to see Mazdival get knocked out by. Mm-hmm. And, and Connor, we got to remember, is known for you know that trash talking. Doesn't give a uh, you know what who they are. Will trash talk anyone? Let's not forget there was that one press conference where they had all the champions and all their challenges to yep. get ready to fight. And, and Connor was ready to take on every male fighter on that stage, and was ready to go. He's known for that. People tune in for Connor because. What's he going to do this time? Let's not forget the Nate D, one of the Diaz fights. You know, the water bottle got thrown <laughs> across the room. Oh, yeah. When he showed up into Brooklyn, a dolly got thrown at a bus. What's Mas- No disrespect. What's Mosby at all known for? Knocking out Ben Askren in five seconds. Congratulations. That's not much to go off of. And being thug Jesus, baby. Yeah. I mean, Masvidal, if you, if you follow his career, I mean, he definitely has the same kind of level of a cult fan base, so to speak, as like the Diaz brothers. I mean, I'm sold. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I will say, I did laugh at the one post I saw where uh, he was on his flight over to uh, uh, the Arab Emirates, geez, uh, and decided to stop his plane in Italy for some pizza. I did find that absolutely hilarious. I mean, my God, this dude wore a pink robe to get COVID tested. Yes. I mean, like a pink pink Versace Street Jesus, baby. Street Jesus. That's not going yeah. how much of that costs. Yeah. So for him, I mean, he's he's walking around like a star in this fight. And I don't think it's going to hurt him per se long term. No. But looking at the rest of that division right now, current UFC rankings, Usman, obviously champion. Number one contender, Gilbert Burns. Two is Colby Covington. Three is Leon Edwards, who moved up because Jorge Masvidal dropped from three to four. Tyrone Woodley is five. Stephen Thompson is six. Damian and Maya I just watched Tyrone, Tyrone Woodley get his ass kicked on Titans last night. Yeah. So that guy shouldn't even be in the top ten rankings. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's on the That on was an embarrassing uh, performance on, on slow, Titans. Yeah, I think he's on the slow Ugh. decline. I just His last few fights, he just has not looked like he has any heart <laughs> to do it. He just he's not looked Then like, you should have watched his Titan game because you want to talk about not having heart. This guy gave up midway through the race. Ooh, that's not good. No. <laughs> So no, look, not especially when you're supposed to be the Rock's handpicked guy. Yeah. <laughs> but even looking at this division now, what's next for both fighters? Usman, I think, is the bigger question. Because Masvidal, I got a couple different theories for. But let me ask you, who do you think is next for Usman? I mean, I guess you got to go, too. Again, I'm, I like the rankings. I go with rankings. Okay. Pad? Uh, I'm looking up the rankings as we see come back to me. So one is Gilbert Burns, who... Should get the next title fight unless there is some talk. I, I know Ariel Hawani was talking, maybe doing some fantasy matchmaking, and I actually like this idea better. Is Gilbert Burns fights Leon Edwards? That's one in three. Okay, winner gets Usman. Colby Covington, I know is number two, but <laughs> I don't. I don't think that the first fight warrants a, a no. quick rematch like that. I think Colby should go fight somebody first, and then if he wins, then you can talk about it. I'll tell you where you stick Covington. Is with Masvidal, and Masvidal does not want to fight him. He says he's it's nothing for his his career. Ooh. Like he, like he he's kind of brushed it off now. But I think that fight would be box office. Oh my god! You want to talk? I mean, the animosity that Usman and Masvidal had before this. Talk about that. I mm-hmm. mean, those, the, Covington and Masvidal go way back. Yeah, I think that that's a that's I, like a Tito Ortiz Chuck Liddell hatred right there. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> And I think because Colby, I don't believe, is at their camp anymore. I don't know where he's training out of right now. 
it would just add to more of the drama right there. And I, yeah. think, that, I think that would sell a lot. I'd love to see that. I know Masvidal was not. <laughs> I just looked up where he's training. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it is Colby Covington Incorporated. <laughs> yeah, and I believe that because love him or hate him, and it's more the latter than the former, Colby is not exactly uh, a, uh, well-liked right now. No. Nope. And he's definitely, I want to say the anti-Connor because when he cuts <laughs> promos, uh, a lot of people don't like them. Uh, period. I mean, just go back to, I mean, go back and look at Mazival's Twitter account when the Usman uh, Covington fight was about to go down. I mean, he was, I mean, going off, mm. like off, off. Yeah. So this one could definitely be a lot of box office. I like this idea. I also like another idea more, and that is run it back for the BMF title. Okay. Nate Diaz, Masvidal, too. And you got to do it somewhere where a cut is not going to stop the oh, fight. Oh, here he goes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm getting, I'm sorry. getting back to who I should think because I've done smoking. I think Burns in the in, interim makes the most sense. You were supposed to have fought Usman. You know, you weren't able to due to circumstances. If you are able to make that fight, go with that. But if you aren't because of extenuating circumstances, Colby Covington, I think, makes the most sense because I looked on his Wikipedia page, is not currently scheduled for any fights uh, as we are recording. You know, doesn't have anything going on. Uh, and then I would say after that, if you aren't, if, okay, so if he fights Colby, then you try to do the Burns thing if you're not able to. Uh, Leon Edwards was supposed to face Tyron Woodley on back in March, mm -hmm. uh, but because of restrictions related to the C19, uh, they had to withdraw from the event as it was supposed to, as it was meant to be moved from London to the U.S. And the event was subsequently postponed indefinitely. So I would say this: do uh, Colby versus or not Colby, Kamaru uh, versus. Uh, either Burns or Colby, whoever you're able to plug in there, then run that Woodley Leon Edwards fight, and whoever wins that gets up Usman after that. That would be interesting. Uh, that bringing that up with Edwards and Woodley, if they want to rebook that fight, I think Edwards would run right through Woodley right now. Like I quite possible. I hate saying it, but it's again, I go. It's on Hulu. Go back and watch. It was yeah. abysmal. Well, that's the thing with Edwards. And his last fight was that way, too, when he fought Usman. He, I mean, yeah, those axe shots to the ribs were, oh, yeah, were you know, vicious. vicious. But at the end of the day, I mean, he checked out long before that yeah. those parts of the fight happened. Yeah. yeah, it was just one thing. When you become champion, sometimes you become complacent. Yeah, and, that's what, and all was, what Rocky Three was about, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, you're on top, and once you're champion, it... You have to keep yourself motivated for the long term. And I know that, I, at least in my opinion, he was looking doing some other things outside of the octagon, and I think that the drive wasn't there. And obviously when you have fighters that want it more than you do, anytime you get between you know the cage or the ropes, depending on what you're doing, boxing, MMA, what have you, if you don't have that drive, you're not going to get anywhere with it. And I think for Woodley now, if he loses again, I want to say that's, what, three in a row? There, That would be somewhere he yeah. it's a losing streak. Yeah. If he faces Edwards, Edwards, you got bump in that number one fight. You got to either do give him the title shot or you got to give him number one contender. If they did him and Burns, I'd be okay with that though. Mm -hmm. I really would, because I know Burns came off an impressive knockout to earn the number to leapfrog everybody because yeah. nobody, nobody would step up to fight Usman at the yeah. time. That was when Masvidal was arguing about his contract. So if you want to do Burns, I'm okay with that as well. And but for Masvidal to ask for an immediate rematch, uh, I nope. can't. I can't do that. Fuck you. No. Wow. Pat has got some real fire on this one. Man. I'm sorry. I, I Like I said, I appreciate a technical fight where if there are fans in the audience, they might be booing. Mm -hmm. If it's jabbing back and forth, you know, like a chess game. But when it's 
as boring as it was, and I almost fell asleep to the point where I was ready to leave, you know, the fight before, leave the where we were watching before the fight was over. I was so goddamn bored. No, you don't deserve a title shot. No. I don't, I don't think so either. Like I said, I think he needs to have a, an impressive knockout against somebody in the top three to earn. Like, he needs, like, a first-round knockout, like an Askren knockout. Yeah, like, again. he needs – yeah, he's got to fight somebody that's going to have uh, – it's got to have some clout to it. Like, mm-hmm. he can't just go in – see, the thing is, like, he can't go in against Joe Schmo next fight, yeah. you know, as some sort of, like, tune-up. It's got to – he's got to be right in it in the thick of things right now because, I mean, if he fights some Schmo, it's not going to carry any weight. He's got to come up with a knockout. It's too, for me, it's got two fights and then a possible title match. Mm. The only way he shortens that – Two fights to one match for me is if he gets a knockout that tops his one of Ben Askren and Showtime Pettis's. Wow. Combined. Whoa. Whoa, Pat. That's the only way he's shortening it to one for me. That's man. I know, man. <laughs> there, there is a lot of heat right now. Uh, uh, did he say something about the Patriots? What, I don't know what Mazival did wrong to you, my man, yeah. but my God. You almost put me to sleep. Wow. Well, that wasn't him. That was Usman. Yeah, that's... A, that's a, that was Usman. He put on the GSP performance. Not not the guy who took the fight on six days. Noah's had to cut 22 pounds in six days. Alleged, not that guy. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and was training. Allegedly. allegedly. You know, a lot of this... Uh, Allegedly, and plus, there's one name that we haven't thrown in this mix, but you know he's watching via Twitter, and, and yeah, and that is your friend, Mr. McGregor. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, where, who, what, what, him? What if you pen, what if you penciled this fight in? I know if you say Connor and Mazival, I'm going to tell you no because I cherish Connor too much to put him in that octagon against him. That, I, but my God, the buy rates on that I would be say, astronomical. That would clear 1.5. <sighs> In, in, oh, yeah. in easy, and you know what? I think the UFC might consider running that. <sighs> beep, well, like, like, beep, oh beep, yeah, beep. that's the trucks backing up to pay both of these guys. Just could you imagine, like Connor's trash talk? I don't know if Ma- he doesn't want to do that, Masvidal. I, I mean, like, I think he would. <laughs> there, there, I think he would, but I, 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 think, I don't know. Well, maybe we get the Connor that fought Cerrone, who was all respectful and stuff. Who I, knows? I, maybe I, he would try to the reverse psychology. Uh, maybe it'll land somewhere in the in the range of uh, Connor and Diaz two, or Connor and Habib. Uh, the difference in that is two point four million buy rate to one point six million buy rate. First off, that fight needs to be in front of people. Yeah. Because you got to be able to hear the chirping. You need the press conferences. You need the 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 people around that one. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? Absolutely. And I mean, I know Connor has said that that BMF title is something that he, you know, uh, 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 like cherishes. <laughs> he, he you know, covets, he, he covets. He covets. Yeah, he covets that. So uh, that would be that would be something. I mean, maybe if it's even not, I don't know. I mean, Mazival at one seventy is that a thing? Masvidal fights at 170, so yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, so that's so a, that's so. A oh, okay, so Connor's good then. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah, because Ma- Connor wants to stay in 170. Yeah. So perfect. Yeah, Masvidal can drop to 155 if he wanted to. I but there's been no talk. Like yeah, because I would say, can you imagine him and Gaethje? <sighs> like yeah, just there's a lot, I, there's a lot of different ways you can go now with Masvidal. I mean, talk about the name with clout that he would need to fight. That would be it. That would be Connor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying if they, if they did that by rate and let's say. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Like, people would, like, even if they couldn't, like, how I couldn't get to, with you guys to watch the Khabib fight, so mm-hmm. I ordered it on my own. That's what people would do. They would be like, I can't get anywhere shit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite the bullet. I'm going to buy the $69 fight on my own. Like, that's what people will do. So the buy rates will be 
huge. Yeah, that's the problem the UFC has now, and <laughs> what a good problem to have. I mean, you and we talked we talked uh, early on during the Twitch thing about boxing and like why you know people don't buy boxing because you know it's one it's one fight. You know, mm-hmm. everybody you don't want to pay you know sixty nine dollars for one fight. Yeah, I would buy that one fight. I wouldn't even need another card. I wouldn't need any prelims or anything. Just give me that. And it's one that's box office. It'll draw. You want to talk about a major event? Like, right. Could you imagine, just to kind of close this out with, the first sporting event in front of fans? And we're now, we're talking like... You could fight this at, in Dallas. Yeah. And you it, could do it in Cowboy Stadium. And you could do it like... With not, social distancing and everything. Well, not even just that. Like once... I mean, I'm just saying like if you do this realistically, like when perfect world, everything's back to normal and everything. Yeah. You could fill out AT&T Stadium and actually not, like, you know how they normally run the events where they'll, like, bring in the bleachers and they'll kind of cut off half the arena? Yeah. You wouldn't need to do that here. No, you the, could run WrestleMania style and still sell it out. Yeah, it'd be the, it would be arguably the biggest event in MMA. Yep. I mean, the only thing bigger would be Habib versus Connor, but I don't think we're going to see that. Or, like, Jones versus Lesnar. Yeah, which, yeah, we're definitely not seeing that. Yeah. At least in, a, in an octagon. Maybe in WWE, right? <laughs> but we might see it somewhere. But the UFC has got a lot of questions going into the first night of Fight Island, or the post-first night of Fight Island, should I say. Definitely a success on a lot of levels. Definitely some headlines generating out of that. I know they got another fight card scheduled this Wednesday. I believe one the following Saturday. This coming Saturday. Yeah, four fights coming up in the next two weeks, so definitely get excited about that. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your takeaways from UFC 251? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, hello there. I'm Brian Wayne, host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and I'm here to bring you the ultimate comic book podcast for readers and lovers and collectors of all levels. Whether you're trying to get caught up on last week's books or you're just looking to check out the latest interview with the latest creator, this is the podcast for you. So if you're looking for a comic book show that doesn't stray away from the topic and you're looking to get an insight from a true fan and lover of this industry then tune into the cheers to comics podcast three times a week as i brian wayne raise a glass to this wonderful wonderful industry that is comics cheers hey this is brian wolf from fair city fire you are listening to odph the greatest podcast in binghamton Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Time to talk a little NFL. Yeah. So let's take it around the horn, Pat. Yeah, so of course I think the first one we're going to talk about, probably the biggest uh, story in the NFL, is the uh, football team in Washington uh, going forward and changing their name. Yeah, long overdue in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. So as we stand recording right now, there is no replacement name officially announced. No, and there might be a slight hitch with that because a lot of names that are, people are throwing around as ideas, a uh, good portion of those have been uh, claimed in trademark by some realtor in Virginia. Which is Dude, brilliant. Game-changing yeah. right there. Yeah. Game-changer. I, I mean, as uh, you know, a lacrosse player, you know, and the fact that the game was, 
you know, created by indigenous people and Native Americans, you know, have an utmost respect for their culture and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact that this was long overdue um, and and everything, I, I'm glad to see it happen. Uh, you know, I know um, a lot of their, you know, um, culture and everything, obviously it depends on who you talk to, no different than politics, right? you know, as far as views and standpoints and everything. You know, a lot of them have been requesting – uh, and and protesting and, and pleading, you know, to get those names changed. Um, and as for some of them, it's not so much the names. It's you know, like with the Seminole, you know, the Braves and everything. It's the it's the motion, you know, the taunting, the tomahawk chops. With the Indians, it's the mascot, you know, that's mostly offensive. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is a great move. It's a, uh, a you know, obviously one that Snyder held fast at not doing, which is yeah. unfortunate. But yeah. you know, at the end of the day, money talks, and you know, yeah. when you have major sponsors willing to pull yeah you know whether you do this or not kudos to them for standing up and doing the right thing like like they both said this is long time coming should have been done a long time ago Uh, if you go back through the history this is not the first time that people have brought up doing this and in fact in the past owner dan snyder said that they will never change the name and i forget which word it was he said that you know it was not or never or something like that he's like you can put that in caps capitals um, but this should have been done a long time ago. This isn't something that a certain group of people had been saying, and it's just kind of a vocal portion of, of the of the population saying this. No, this was a very large portion of the population, including the, you know folks who this name affected in various ways. Be sure. it be it, in, in, it insulted them, it insulted family members, cousins, friends that they found offensive. And what's sad is it wasn't is that it took money getting involved for the owner to finally do this because right. I, I know i've had a couple people who aren't sports fans come up to me and ask me why is this just happening why is this you know why hasn't this been done sooner and the easy answer i give them money yeah because th- you know this came out that they were looking at changing the name i told them listen you know fedex the delivery company is a very big sponsor of that team uh they signed a deal in the late 90s i forget it was like 97 98 or something like that through 2025 for like 205 million dollars which equates to about seven million dollars a year right for them to be the title sponsor of their their stadium so when you go into the parking lot there it says fedex right. field big big bold letters you know so they were threatening about pulling that and then you uh, add into the fact that the uh ceo fed smith it also owns a minority stake in the team yeah you had pepsico uh you know the folks who make pepsi and a whole bunch of other drinks that you might enjoy uh you know voicing their displeasure about that too you had the folks at nike where it pulled their equipment and all of their merchandise from the site i'm looking at nike.com right now uh i know ken has seen this coach i'm showing yeah, this to oh you yeah i've seen it yeah you go to nike.com and search that team name you do not find anything well nike sponsors uh the thompson brothers who are mm-hmm. arguably three of the best lacrosse players to ever yeah uh come out of specifically on a dog nation so you know they're yeah. uh you know they run deep in that culture too so they understood what you know that uh name meant and everything Mm -hmm. to to them and yeah yeah i mean it's it's, it was the right move you know so money got involved and those are just the ones we know about i heard talk that amazon might have been threatening to do the same thing for for their team but i heard major sponsors even for the nfl advertisers you know but that's just the ones we know about you know that's not even the ones we we're sure there are ones we don't know behind the scenes uh according to an article on forbes.com uh last week there was 87 shareholders representing 620 billion dollars in assets wrote a letter asking those companies to cut ties with the team if they didn't change the name you know so glad they're finally doing it i'm interested to see what they go with um 
That being said, I know some fans are probably upset and sure. oh, oh, you shouldn't change the name. Are. The name, you know, it's it's kind of like when the Yankees, you know, I know this is apples to oranges, but it reminds me of when the Yankees moved from old stadium to new stadium. Right. You know, yeah, things are going to be different, but the memories are still with you. Right. You know, you're, you're still going to have memories if you're a fan of sitting there on a Sunday with your dad, your uncle, your brother, your cousin, and rooting for him. Those memories are still going to be there. The name's going to change. The memories are still there. I mean, here's the thing, too. Um, the Redskins haven't been good. No. So, you know, maybe this is, you know, you've got, you know, a new quarterback. You've got a new star defensive end. You've got a new head coach. You know, new new things. You know, it's new. So maybe a name change might be the, the catalyst that all of a sudden just, you know, takes this team off and, you know, they run to a, a Super Bowl win per- or something. Perfect example. Tampa Bay baseball team. A lot of years since they're in such Exactly where I got Tam- that idea from. Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Absolute garbage for a lot of years. First year they dropped the word devil from their name and were just the Tampa Bay Rays, went to the World Series. Yep. It's definitely long overdue. The fact that it's taken this long to make happen is just I, – I can't wrap my head around it and just how the ownership with the Redskins have been fighting it for so many years. Mm-hmm. And like Pat touched upon, there was a direct quote, I want to say about five years ago, like we're not changing it ever. You can put this all in caps if you want. I just think it's something where Daniel Snyder, being a successful businessman, did not want to be you know backed into a corner because people of that – stature don't like to be backed into a corner that is ultimately like their you know that is their thing like you are not going to back me down yeah Mm -hmm. um and i'm not going to uh sustain to your pressures of what you want me to do and ultimately though when you talk to the people like that what talks the most of them money money yeah and kudos to the organizations that were putting the pressure on to finally get this done because i mean obviously Social times are changing. Sure. So this is one area that has been long overdue to have a drastic change. Next needs to be the Indians mm. and the Braves. Well, yeah. thing with the Braves, and you bring this up, uh, the art. there was an article that came out yesterday from uh, a couple days ago from ESPN regarding uh, the Braves. They said uh, they're not going to change the name, but they are looking at their chop celebration. Uh, there the, we go. The quotes uh, saying uh, from the Braves says, quote, the Atlanta Braves honors, respects, and values the Native American community. As an organization, we have always drawn strength from our diversity and respect for everyone. That will never change. We have had an active and supportive relationship with the Native American community for many years. Last fall, we furthered this relationship and pledged to meet and listen to Native American to Native American and tribal leaders from many areas, including uh, the Eastern Band of Cherokee of the Cherokees in North Carolina. As a result, we formed a cultural working relationship with the EBCI and have also formed a Native American working group with a diverse collection of other tribal leaders to collaborate on matters related to culture, education, outreach, and recognition on an ongoing basis. Through our conversations, changing the name of the Braves is not under consideration or deemed necessary. We have great respect and reverence for our name and the Native American communities that have held meaningful relationship with us do as well. We will always be the Atlanta Braves. As it relates to the fan experience, including the CHOP, it is one of the many issues that we are working through with the advisory group. The CHOP was popularized for our, by our fans when Deion Sanders joined our team and it continues to inspire our players on the field. With that in mind, we are continuing to listen to Native American to the Native American community as well as our fans, players and alumni to ensure we are making an informed decision on the, this part of our fan experience close quote. Well, good on the Braves. Yeah. I hope that's legitimate and not just 
to save face. Well, and I know, and I know, in and I, in specific instances with the Florida Seminoles, uh, they're in very close working relationship with the Seminole Indian tribe down, right, in, down, Tallahassee, in, Flo- yeah. down in Florida. So much so that they don't do anything in regards to that school, the look or the mascot, without consulting the Seminoles. Well, the, the, Sem- the back in the article I was reading, I think it was like two thousand four, two thousand five. Mm-hmm. Um, the NCAA looked at stepping in and getting the name changed. Yeah. The tribal council for the floor, the Florida Seminoles tribal group unanimously voted that, hey, this is okay. They can keep the name. And I know in another instance, a couple of years ago, when the Florida Seminoles were looking at changing their, their uniforms, just the way they looked, they consulted the tribe with that. They didn't have to, but they kept the tribe involved. They don't do anything at that school without the tribe being well, involved. Well, I believe the, the head you know, Seminole, the mascot, is actually a, a Seminole. Yes, I, and yeah, the headdress yeah, I, is an actual well too, yeah. is headwear from you know their tribe. So yeah, I mean I I never the the Seminole the the Braves thing was always the chop. I knew that was always the issue. Yeah, and, the, if, the, I'm, and if I'm not mistaken, there I want to say there was at least one postseason or one instance in the, like the last ten years or so where they didn't do it. Or like they didn't play the music and they didn't want the fans to do it. I forget the specifics. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I remember that too as well, Pad, because that's been something they've been trying to get rid of. And obviously this is going to take some more steps to do that. Yeah. Well, which, yeah. which I think is a step in the right direction. Yeah. And I, I, I'm applauding the organizations that are, are starting to take this. For Washington, like I said, just the fact they took your advertisers to kick you in the ass to do this long overdue but at least it's getting mm-hmm. done yeah. yeah and like i say whatever the name is going to be like I, I put out there i think it should be the warriors washington warriors Warriors would be good i know that'd probably be the smoothest transition yeah. as far as yeah logo and colors and yeah. everything i know the other name that's been thrown out is the washington generals which i know the globetrotters currently own the rights to that name but the globetrotters have said they're willing to sell them the name if the if the uh team is interested yeah so we'll I expect we'll hear something about in the near future about uh-huh. the official name change and probably when <laughs> season's, co- season's, co- season's coming up soon they uh, might want to get moving oh I, I, yeah <laughs> they got get they got roll out jerseys merchandise this will be fast track so uh, obviously like i say step in the right direction so finally this is getting done so that being said though we do have some more f- football news to talk about yeah so big contracts have been signed. Good Lord. Not as big as last week's Patrick Mahomes deal. <laughs> which, Coach, let me get your take because I know you weren't in studio. Uh, I mean, you got to pay the man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't let that go. I mean, it's not like, you know, he didn't just come off of a terrific Super Bowl performance and arguably have, uh, revolutionized the quarterback position from a, a playing standpoint. I mean. So I'm a m- member of the Madden 99 club. Yeah, I mean, he yes. uh, obviously he has tremendous weapons around him, and Andy Reid has cultivated an offense that certainly works in his favor, which good for Andy Reid because, I mean, for a long time it was the West Coaster bus for him, yeah. and he has since changed that. So good for Andy Reid. Uh, you helped Patrick Mahomes get paid. And to the teams that didn't draft Mahomes, looking at you, Chicago Bears, you must feel silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. The, I've, heard, I've heard a lot because the Bills are the ones who traded the draft pick right. for yeah. Mahomes. But we got Josh Allen, so I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I would be happy, too. You know, Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, right? Hey, he wins on, <laughs> he wins on the arm strength in Madden. That's All the right. one, my one thing. I mean, Mahomes is 97. Josh yeah. Allen's a 99. There you go. Enough said. But – the Chiefs also added to their lineup as well. So somewhere they, along the lines, they still had cap room. Yeah, how? I have no goddamn idea. So I mean, their GM, GM is structuring these deals flawlessly. I would say the, yeah. the finance department might want to get a pay raise because considering the fact that they just signed Patrick Mahomes with that mega deal and 
everyone was going, wait, how did they have this money? They We thought they had like $13 left in their cap space, and even less so after Patrick Mahomes. No, they still found some money. They, they found a couple piggy banks laying around. Uh, see what I did there? Kansas yeah. City barbecue. Uh, they signed uh, star defensive tackle Chris Jones to a four-year deal worth up to $85 million. Thoughts on that, Coach? Uh, so I am uh, involved with a, a group of Giants fans who at the time the Giants had uh, Snacks Harrison, a Mm -hmm. defensive tackle, uh, that they traded to Detroit for a fifth-round pick. And I argued that that was ridiculous. You could have gotten way more, at least at minimum, a second-round pick, third-round pick. Then the next year they go out and they draft Joseph out of Clemson, a defensive tackle in the first round. Mm -hmm. You know, again, in that group they, oh, defensive tackles don't mean anything. Yeah, right. That's why they took one in the first round. I will say, again, now with this signing, defensive tackles in the NFL today are one of the most important positions because pressure up the middle is one of the most important things as far as a pass rush that you can get. And not only to mention the pass rushing, but when you get a guy who can plug the middle and stop a run game, that is a game-changing defensive tackle. And that's what they have here. You look at teams right now that are built to win. And again, I will go back to what the Giants did successfully. When you rush the passer, you win games. When you can hit the quarterback, you win games. That is what Kansas City is building this defense on, and that's why you know they paid them. Yeah, it made perfect sense. And I, like I said, Kansas City is building for a, a long run now. They're already be having some fun issues with in terms of cap space in a couple of years. Looking at Spotrack.com, uh, 2022 was the first year you really run into some issues. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is t- the, uh, giving them a cap hit of just about $31.5 million. Uh, Pat Frank Clark, their defensive end, is going to be giving them a cap hit just north of $26 million. Tyree Kill is going to be giving them a cap hit of just over twenty point six million dollars good freaking lord so there's three guys three guys you got 70 million dollars tied up in the window is going to be very tight for kansas city but i mean yeah they obviously i mean i think that they're hedging their idea on that mahomes can you know lead players to be you know elevated you know Mm -hmm. that he will elevate the team uh i my problem is in being a giants fan seeing what you know having your quarterback take one third of your salary cap can really put you in a detriment. I mean, that's why Tom Brady restructured his deal oh, yeah. so often so oh, yeah. they could bring talent in and and circulate that. Um, you know, you look at when the Giants signed Eli to that deal, you know, they lost a lot of talented players in free agency because they just didn't have the cap space. Yeah. Um, so we'll, it will be interesting to see what they do in three years from now when that, you know, bottleneck gets a little tighter. But the next three years look pretty good. I'll just wait till 2023. Uh, there's only three players listed on their uh, breakdown for their cap space. That would be Patrick Mahomes, Frank Clark, and then their kicker, Harrison uh, Butker. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is giving them a cap hit of 42.4 million dollars. Frank Clark, 27.8 million dollars, and then Harrison Butker, 4.4 million dollars in cap hits. So right there, three individuals. You got uh, a little over $74.6 million in cap hit. Good Lord. They're going to have a lot of moves to do in the future, but for right now, they're looking good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, Tyreek Hills 
you know, aging. Mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins obviously is not long term plans. No. Travis Kelsey is going to have to get yeah. paid. Yeah. Uh, I I can't remember their uh, left tackle that made the Pro Bowl this past season. He's going to have to get paid. So yeah, I mean they've got some names, and then a defensive end, same thing. I mean they've got you know Honey Badger back there, who arguably was what helped turn around that defense with Steve Spagnuolo. Um, so you gotta, you're gonna have to figure out a way to pay him, and you know, yeah, it will be interesting in three years to see what they do. But Mahomes had to get paid first, and that was taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. So uh-huh. Kansas City doing some moves. Not the only team though this week, as there was a big deal that's getting finalized out in Cleveland. Yeah. So according to sources, uh, the Cleveland Browns are finalizing a massive five-year contract extension for uh, their their star Miles Garrett. Uh, which uh, for a five-year deal worth an estimated $125 million. Thoughts on that, Coach? I mean, pass rushing wins games. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what that shows me. I mean, I don't know if Miles Garrett has arguably been worth that kind of money necessarily. I yeah. mean, yeah, he's had some performances, but $125 million over five years is a lot to invest mm-hmm. in a defensive end that's – Turning that will be turning 32, I think, at the point of this deal ends. Yeah, so he's 24 years old. Uh, uh, 29, okay. He's expected to sign a contract uh, on Wednesday, pending a physical. Uh, but, no, I mean, you you, can see, you look at it. Last year he had 10 sacks in 10 games. Obviously, we all remember he got suspended uh, for the final six games after the incident with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you do look at the stats. He's been absolutely dominant. You know, uh, article on ESPN.com, uh, he's ranked fourth in sacks per game with 0.82 sacks a game since 2017. 17. Okay. Well, you know, pie to the face for me. I'll eat the crow. Uh, and then an article goes on, according to ESPN's stats and information, opposing quarterbacks QBR drops by more than 20 points when Garrett is on the field compared to when he is off. I will apologize for my previous statement. I retract what I said. This deal is worth it. It is for Cleveland. I will say for the turnaround they're trying to do, and know how I'm wording this, they're trying. Yeah. They're taking the steps in the right direction, locking up Garrett, Exclude the incident that happened with Pittsburgh. Sure, yeah. yeah. You yeah, take yeah. that, sure. take that, because I mean, there are so many variables. Yeah, to he put said, she said. I yeah. mean, there's so much, and uh, you just can't apply that to anything. Right. So take that incident out. He was suspended. We obviously saw Cleveland. Cleveland was a team in flux anyway before that. So <laughs> yeah, you don't say. So now, new head coach, wrong head coach. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just. A lot of stuff with that. I deal. just, I mean, yeah. uh, to me, I would have probably gotten a little more secure and and, and tried to pursue a, a you know a known commodity than taking yeah. an yeah, offensive I, coordinator. I was, I was waiting for you to jump in. That's why. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I'm like, saying, like you just did this with your previous head coach in kitchens. Yeah. Why would you then? Yeah. I mean, the definition of insanity is repeating and doing the same thing over and over and over again, thinking you're going to get a different outcome. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, I, I don't know why you would have gone that route, but whatever. I'm not the Browns organization, so right. But, but <laughs> what do what, I know? But for what the Browns needed to do is, you need to lock up your defensive captain and say what you will. Garrett's been the face of their defense. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. So, so to lock him up long term, and especially this is nothing against Cleveland fans. I want to stress this, but to have a player that wants to be there, right, to turn things around. I think that that is a huge, huge move. No, the the culture right now, although it is. Uh, tumultuous. Yeah, I mean, there is some peaks and some valleys. Yeah, that, it's that, rocky that, at best. That's, yeah, but to establish some sort of 
you know, player want to be there. You know, a Baker Mayfield who, you know, always has the chip on his shoulder and always is willing to, you know, throw it in the face of somebody else. And Miles Garrett wanting to be there, wanting to lead this organization, I think is the most important thing because when you have guys like that, you know, sure you've got your personalities in Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and whatever, you know, you throw them into the mix too because sometimes, you know, their playmaking can outweigh, you know, some of the other uh, circumstances. But when you got those two guys and you can build a locker room around that type of, of leadership and, and uh, ideology of uh, it's us against them, that is what helps turn teams around. Well, it just makes sense for them to start focusing on defense. They've been working on getting their offense back to some semblance of decency for so many years that you finally got it at a point where on paper – Looks pretty good. I mean, you know, last year, yeah. Looks pretty good. Now that you got the offense in a place you might like it, start working on your defense, and you'll have a pretty good-looking football team. Yeah, I mean, they've got Olivier Vernon on the other side who had a bounce-back year last year after being traded from the Giants, and they've got a pretty damn good secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, linebackers that can be in the mix. So, obviously, again, I will say what I said previously. If they had a little more of um, – of uh, fundamental or just structure at the head coaching position, you know, uh, a known commodity, I would think that this team could be on the verge of a Super Bowl run. I agree. I mean, obviously you got to beat Kansas City first, but it's right there for the taking. But that's the one thing because one thing we always touch upon is after you win a championship, how motivated are you to repeat? Right. Patrick Mahomes just got paid not saying he's not going to be motivated, but let's be honest. If he doesn't put up the same crazy stat lines he was doing, right. but he still gets into the playoffs, it's still a win for him. For Cleveland, who has been desperate to turn this franchise around, they need to really step up and really make an impact. They have to get to the playoffs. They, they have way too much talent on both sides of the ball to be Atlanta of the AFC. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just last year was so – like, I mean, we were doing our picks, and we said it was – on paper, they look tremendous. Yeah. They can easily win the AFC North. Mm-hmm. What will their head coaching position look like? That was our question mark. Yeah, and obviously, it was a pretty good question mark because where they are right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, again, I would say going into this year, especially with you know Baltimore, yeah, offensively they're dynamic, and you know Jackson really you know is a hell of a quarterback and everything. But they've shown that he has limitations as far as being able to to win games using his arm strength. Um, I would put Cleveland still in the mix. Mm-hmm. Just their coaching. Yeah, it's going to be the biggest playmaker for them. Is how well does his coaching staff deal? How does Baker Mayfield adjust? Because we saw he was that's, struggling. He was struggling. That's another thing. I mean, three head coaches in three years, three systems in three years. Yeah. I mean, I know that Kitchens obviously was the offensive coordinator, took over as the head coach, so it makes it a little smoother a transition. Um, but that's still, I mean, you see what happens to quarter, young quarterbacks that have that happen. Alex Smith yeah. comes to mind. I was you just know? thinking that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just uh, Matthew Stafford comes to mind. Uh, Sam Bradford, you know, these guys that had you know all the ability in the world, but when you throw them in there and you just you don't create stability for them as far as development, things get. I'm, I'm worried about Daniel Jones. Yeah, you know, I mean, two head coaches in two years, whole new system. It's not easy to learn that stuff at this level. It definitely isn't, so we're going to have to wait to see what Cleveland's going to do, but they definitely added a big piece to the defensive side of the ball for many years to come, so it's a smart move for them, and I expect Garrett to come out with a huge, huge oh, chip on his shoulder my God. With after being suspended last year. I think yeah. he's going to come out, and he's going to have, I don't want to say an MVP-type season, 
but I think he's going to be putting up a career high season. I would argue that if he plays to the level that obviously those numbers show, he could easily break the sack record. Yeah, I think he's going to be that motivated. Yeah, so uh, that's the thing. That first game against Pittsburgh, oh boy. Yeah, that will be definitely a must-watch TV. Definitely to see that. That's will, an old. That's an old school rivalry getting it, reunited. It will be only watch TV. <laughs> yes. Well, as as we say, because with the football season being you know in, in flux, to close out this segment of NFL news, it was announced that there is a prototype for a new face shield to enhance uh, safety measures with everything going on with COVID. So I did show the panel. Uh, this article is coming from Yahoo Sports. So I actually want to cite this. Uh, that They have re- revealed this picture. from. It's called the Oakley Mouth Shield, mm-hmm. developed by Oakley in collaboration mm-hmm. with the NFL and NFL Players Association. So it's hopefully a you know, an option for players that don't want to wear masks during the game. Uh, it's a obviously a work in progress still. So you both have seen the pictures. What is your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, so uh – my uh, my son was in lacrosse when all this outbreak happened, and immediately one of the first thing pitched was uh, Cascade had released, uh, that's a lacrosse uh, helmet company, uh, a face shield um, that they were developing for uh, – people to be able to continue to play lacrosse. So I'd already had an idea that this was possible, you know, when uh, Oakley now, obviously a much bigger brand name, mm-hmm. you know, as far as visors and uh, facial wear, um, you know, came up with this. Listen, if this is how we need to get football back, I will I will accept it. I mean, it doesn't affect me at all because I'm not the one wearing it. So I know, you know, you had brought up the fact that J.J. Watt, you know, did not necessarily uh, have the most – uh, excited of reactions, to say the least. Yeah, to quote it, um, quote, my second year in the league, I thought it'd be cool. Uh, I put a visor <laughs> I put a visor on my That's helmet. That's such a J.J. Watt line to say. Yeah, I put a visor on my helmet. I was like, oh, it looks so cool. I want to put a visor on. I had it for about three periods of practice, and I said, take this sucker off. I'm going to die out here, just the face one. So now you want to put something around my mouth? No, you can keep that. If it comes to, into play, I don't think you're going to see me out there on the field. So, I mean that's his that's his right. Yeah. So obviously they're still developing this. This is still a prototype, but to get football back on the field in safe conditions during the COVID era, uh, they're going to have to do something along these lines. It's yeah, just, I just I don't know what else you can really do because you know you're not going to be able to have you know hubs yeah. like you know the NBA and NHL has been able to do uh you know Premier Lacrosse League the MLL just announced that they're going to have a hub and play all their games at one stadium you're not going to be able to do that with the NFL you can't hold that many bodies you know in, in venues like this so travel is going to be a must and it's going to become a safety hazard it definitely is so we're going to have to keep an eye on this as the season progresses forward Obviously, the road to the preseason is still on track. Obviously, one game has been taken away. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it's on track. I would say it's uh, it's on a bumpy track. It's on a track nevertheless. Yes, that is fair to say. Yes, so we'll have to wait and see what is going to be the future of the season this year. How is the NFL going to adapt to the C-19 era? But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the Washington Redskins retirement of the name and what you think are going to be possibly ideas for the new name what do you think about the big nfl contracts that got done this week and what do you think about the new visors and facial wear for c19 for this nfl season we definitely want to have that conversation so hit us up let us know we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back do you think you should go to jail if you throw a cookie at your girlfriend 
Do you think it's cheating if an athlete fails a doping test, but the twist is only her boyfriend is juicing? Do you think 200 shots is too many to try to stop a robbery? What would you do if your parents burned $30,000 worth of your porn? Have you ever asked yourself this question? What the hell is wrong with Florida? Or we're the Rum Runners Podcast. We read the clickbait so you don't have to. We click those questionable links that pop up in your feed and let you know you want a new iPhone. Every week, we break down the weirdest and funniest of those articles. Find us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and just about anywhere you find podcasts. Video versions can be found on YouTube. Just search Rum Runners. That's R-U-M-R-U-N-N-A-S. We're also available on Twitter at RumPod and Instagram and Facebook at Rum Runners. With new episodes dropping every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man CTOA, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up and coming newest podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Local Minute. Obviously, support local, support local, support local, wherever you're at. So let us round those bases and take it home. Pad, lead us off. i got to talk some baseball sale news because, as you might remember, a couple of months ago, uh, Fred Wilpon was looking at selling the New York Mets. And at one point, there was a billionaire by the name of Steve Cohen uh, who looked like he was on the verge of uh, buying said Mets, but then fell through in possibly the worst way. Who knows? Don't know the details. But it looks like that is still ongoing. Uh, they are still trying to sell. And it looks like there are four prospective ownership groups uh, that have moved on to a second round of bidding uh, from the uh, for the New York Mets. This is according to Sportico's uh, Scott Shashnik. Uh, the group or the people are, of course, uh, former Major League Baseball star Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez uh, are one of the groups in the running. Of course, there are some NFL names or some other names that are involved with this. So that's one group. Uh, Steve Cohen himself, uh, again, uh, walked away from a deal to purchase the Mets back in February. Uh, is still in the running. Uh, you also have the duo of Josh Harris and David Blitzer uh, are in the sweepstakes. Uh, they are uh, they could add the Mets to their uh, sports franchises that include the Philadelphia 76ers, New Jersey Devils, and the Crystal Palace FC. Uh, there also is a supposed fourth mystery better. No word yet who that is. Let's or, go Mark Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Uh, you know, no word yet who that is. But uh, stay tuned for more information because Lord knows I'm sure it will be done soon. Yeah, I got to imagine they're going to want to get that wrapped up yeah. very, very shortly. I'll say I, Mets fans probably can't wait for the Wilpons to be gone. I can imagine, and it'll be weird if A Rod becomes an owner. But yeah, of a team, yeah, that, that's just especially the Mets. Yeah, yeah, that will be who could have had him at one point. Yeah, that's just going to be so weird. And can you imagine now the rivalry between him and Jeter now playing oh. each other eighteen times a year in a yeah, normal season? Yeah, that's. Ooh, the headlines right there! But I'm still holding out. It's Mark so Cuban. You, so you know the New York papers are looking forward to it. Oh yeah, they're 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 gonna be chomping at the bit for that. Uh-huh. Like I said, I'm either hoping it's Mark Cuban as the mystery bidder, could be, or Vince McMahon. <laughs> why? Jesus. Why not? Uh, why not? So why why do you want to kick Mets fans when they're down? 
Why? Just, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, it's not the Bronx. I don't care. Sorry, let's go Yankees. Coach, what you got? I've got some, and if you're playing the uh, ODPH drinking game at home, lacrosse news. Bye, bye, bye. Take a shot. Uh, the uh, PLL announced their schedule. They are starting again, like I mentioned before, July 25th. They are having a that first uh, kickoff game in the championship series will be on NBC. Oh. So they have announced seven games uh, will be on NBC, and uh, you know, various number of other games will be on the NBC networks. Um, uh, the the NBC Sport Network, and then obviously the Gold Package. If you uh, you know want to watch lacrosse and everything, that's also an option. So, but seven games nationally broadcasted on NBC. That's big. Uh, it's tremendous for the sport. You know, I can't even go in to imagine you know the excitement that the players must have uh, to be able to have the game broadcasted on national television like that i mean nbc is seen in almost every home you know in the world or in uh, the u.s so a lot of eyes will be on the sport especially you know they'll be starting before you know most of the other major sports start so you know a lot of focus will be there uh and then lastly uh in a fun little tidbit i stumbled across a pos- uh, uh, upon one of the best twitter accounts on all of the internet okay. and that would be the nba bubble life Uh-oh. so it's <laughs> at nba bubble life i want to give a shout out to these guys they've been reposting and posting other you know events that have been going on with the nba bubble i mean some of the highlights have been them talking about the uh boban Luca Tobias Harris love affair that's been going on. Yeah. You know they've been uh, catching Bo- uh, Boban and Luca doing all these fun things. You know playing one on one, going uh, fishing together. Uh, one of the interactions was Tobias Harris and Boban talking from a balcony. And you know, so Bo- didn't the Mavericks at one point have like a DJ like dance club session on their balcony? Yeah, they did. Yeah, so and they did that. Yeah, it's DJ Maverick. Yeah. Um, so they did that. There's been a, sh- a beer shotgunning contest for charity. So that's been going oh, on. So yeah, JJ Redick, I saw, got involved with that one. Yep, apparently he has the fastest time. Uh, then some other things that have been fun is they also have the NBA hotline alert, which is uh, a snitch hotline, basically, <laughs> for anybody, any players who break protocol, uh, you know, who might be, uh, you know, uh, talking to other players about joining teams. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. If you uh, want, if you like the NBA and you want to see the other side of the NBA during this uh, COVID nineteen and the bubble life, uh, I suggest you give them a follow. I've been laughing my ass off at some of this stuff. I just follow them as you're talking here. Yeah, it's great. It's Go amazing. through some of these. I mean, the Tobias seriously, the Tobias Harris Bobon Lucas stuff is so legitimately funny because obviously they had their run in philly together they you know it was well documented how close they were how heartbroken tobias was when boban left to the mavericks um and now him and luca have this great budding friendship so it's been, it's been a lot of fun i'll say related to the uh nba c19 stuff uh of course uh Richwan holmes of the sacramento kings did get busted for breaking protocol and crossing that you know line that the players aren't supposed to go up past uh in quarantine otherwise they'll have to self-quarantine for 10 days you can blame kelly Oubre for that too that was yeah. absolutely his fault for talking about this backstory is uh they're uh, you know players are a little dissatisfied with the food uh that's been well documented on the yeah. nba bubble life and uh you know uh one of the players uh said you know if you're kelly Oubre said if you're going to get postmates you can't have it dropped at the security you have to go outside to meet the postmates delivery person to pick up your food they won't hold it for you at the security desk well sean holmes went out and did that and now he's in 
quarantined for 10 days. Quarantined for 10 days. And uh, his mom found out about it, and his mom was less than thrilled. Uh, His mom is on Twitter, at Dr. Dr. Ladicia. Her name is Dr. Ladicia Holmes. Uh, She said on Twitter, quote, you only crossed the line for your mama's cooking, and I was not in Florida, oh. sir. Hashtag LOL <laughs> at Rich underscore Holmes twenty two. Love you, baby. Close quote. Amazing, yeah, good stuff. It's oh. been a lot of fun. Amazing. Yeah, I know the season is going to be restarting very soon, man. Yeah, it's, it's right around July twenty, July thirty first, right around the corner. Yeah, just about a little over a week you away. Watch out for them Pelicans. Uh-huh. Yeah, <sighs> my th- God, I don't know if you've seen Zion since the. Uh, quarantine's been lifting. They've been training because he looks. Well, I mean, he was a beast before, but now he is like yeah. super. Yeah. He's like super shredder. Well, next week we're going to be giving a preview for the remainder of the playoff All season. Right. So we'll definitely be talking a lot of NBA there. And definitely the Pelicans could be a sleeper team now. I mean, I know mm-hmm. Zion, the video I've seen on Zion is just. Oh, my God. And him and Zoe have got this chemistry going right now that is like. Dangerous, you know. You get JJ Redick in the mix, shooting some threes. Anything can happen. Anything in a short can season. anything can happen in a short season. Absolutely. Yes, especially in hockey too, which we'll be talking about. Yeah, because that's coming up. Rangers. Ah, <laughs> no quit. No quit. In New York. Yeah, I guess not. I, I saw the shirt. I'm like, I gotta go pick this up. I, I need to get my motivation. Damn it. So let me take the bases and round it to the home. We gotta talk a little pro wrestling. Yeah. And wrestling. this past week, there was night twos of the big quote-unquote pay-per-view battle on Wednesday. AEW Fighter Fest, WWE slash NXT Great American Bash, both nights two. Mm-hmm. Thoughts about who had the better card? We'll just kind of jump into that. Uh, for me, probably NXT. Just top to bottom, I, I think I, I enjoyed the hell out of that. It was a lot of fun. Um you know, obviously the spoiler and leak that we saw online uh, prior to the airing ended up being true for the main event. Uh, but, no, I think NXT absolutely did a better job. Coach? I, I mean, I think it's probably well-documented my not love affair with AEW and their fan base, so I've been turned off to AEW. I, you know, follow the match results, but I don't watch it because of people that follow it like zealots, you know. So I watched NXT, and I thought NXT was flawless. I do too. I actually watch both because I do cover AEW for the wrestling show. Draw, he drew the short end of that straw. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I did, and I own up to it every week. <laughs> like it, it's a running thing. It's a running thing. If you have not listened over on the eight one two two Productions Network with me and Rich doing the three FNW, yeah, I drew the shorter straw. I mean, yeah. I, I, I sit through. I watch NXT on the next day. But that being said, Fighter Fest I won't spend a lot of time on. But I will even just try selling you on this. Pad, you got the card. I do. All right, so I will give you bullet points and let me know what you think. Was it a good match or bad? I'll okay, because you haven't seen it, and I'm just want to get sure, your sure, rough sure. opinion. Okay. Okay, lead us off. Uh, so first match uh, was Adam Page and Kenny Omega defending their AEW Tag Team Championships against I- Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. Uh, and Adam Page and Kenny o- Omega retained. I would think. Them versus Private Party would be a good match. Yeah. It was a good opener. It was the quote-unquote replacement because John Moxley and Brian Cage had to get pulled off this week. Okay. Because um, um, Renee Young having yep. – uh, so, yeah, because Renee Young tested positive for COVID and John Moxley obviously being her husband, he got put into quarantine so he couldn't do the match. Right. So they decided to throw this in as a replacement. It was a average match, nothing really right home about. Okay. It, it didn't really do anything, but – you know, I guess for replacing a main event because it wasn't in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, it ooh. was. Ooh, hey, ooh, hey. ouch! So, ooh. so it just didn't really do anything. Uh, but it was pretty. You know, hey, yeah. Omega's being built. All right, yeah, year two. Watch out. 
I, Watch out, world. We talked about that report. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not buying that one bit. Yeah. But like I said, this one is pretty standard, so next one. Uh, Lance Archer defeated Joey Janela. Oh, God. Probably awful. Yes. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> but, no no disrespect against Joey Janela because I know, he, you know he's boys with uh, Mr. Gatton, but bad. Uh, so would you say it's 11 minutes of your life you would want back? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. It, it was it was a standard squash match, but yeah, it was just Archer extended. does nothing for me. Yeah, he's not doing yeah. anything. I'm sorry. Just, I'm not impressed yeah. with the AEW storyline with him and the love affair about still pushing him as the, the murder hawk monster. <sighs> Uh, after that, you had an eight-person tag match between the Lucha Bros and Butcher and the Blade, uh, defeating FTR and the Young Bucks. Now, I saw a little bit of this. We did, and we discussed this during the UFC night. Uh, the dangerous Canadian, you know, the destroyer that was done off the top rope. I would think that this match would be good because of the characters in there, but I know the storyline with the FTR and the Young Bucks, and I don't care for it. So I'm going to say it was probably bad. It was a definition of a cluster. Okay. Okay. To say it. Well, spot fest. I mean, yeah. come on. Super kick galore. I'll yeah. say you put the Young Bucks and then Lucha Bros in there along <sighs> with FTR who aren't necessarily spot fests in the way that those two teams are, but they have their moments. Mm-hmm. You would think like FTR would have slowed the pace down a little bit, and I, they probably played right into what they, Lucha and the uh, – Bucks wanted to do. Yeah, they played right into it. It, yeah. was, it was it was everything you expect. With just it was just a mess. Like the the story should have been the yin and yang of the young bucks coming in and like being hot. You know, ba 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 ba. Then FTR coming in, tagging, slowing things down, methodical. You know, the young bucks getting impatient, wanting to tag back in. Oh, they're so goddamn slow. Tag. You know, they tag themselves in. FDR looks like what the hell. Bucks come in. Da 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 da. You know, that would have been the story that I would have told. But yeah, but they they didn't. Like yeah. I said, the only highlight from this was the the the, the nearly disastrous <sighs> Canadian destroyer from the from the rope pad. Did I you just, see the spot or no? No. You still haven't seen it. My God. No. So Matt Jackson and Phoenix do a Canadian destroyer from. The ring apron onto the floor from the top rope. Oh, say the, from the top yeah. there. From did the top. Yeah. Jackson did it to the Lucha Bros guy. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's remember one thing. The Bucks are notorious, and I don't mean this in a negative way. They're notorious and well known for doing Canadian destroyer moves that look like they're going to kill someone. Well, they almost <sighs> did because they were about I want to say half a foot away from missing everybody and going straight to the floor. All I right. just I mean it's a hell of a of a like a wow you know, but at the same time it's like why that's not that's not worth it you know no. i mean some of these spots you see and you're like what is that gaining yeah you know? it, i mean it looks cool but it's yeah. like once you slow it down and go wait you almost missed yeah and we're talking careers we're talking livelihoods lives like it's it wasn't necessary for for this in my sure. opinion but like i said this was just a mess top to bottom i know they're they're trying to do their quote-unquote build-up for the bucks versus ftr at all out i'm, I'm assuming but this one did absolutely nothing for it. Uh, what? I fell asleep during that talk. Exactly. Next up, Pad. Uh, you had Nyla Rose defeat, uh, and I only know this because the site is listing them. I know that for a fact they were local enhancement. Uh, Kenzie Page and Kylan King. Bad. In a two-on-one handicap match. Uh, she beat Nyla Rose, defeated them in a little over two minutes. Yeah, this was a complete squash. Yeah. And yeah. the only takeaway is Nyla is saying that she needs a manager. And I saw that she got suspended. For what she did to the ref previously. Oh, okay. So Whatever. no, no. The current wrestler that's suspended is Big Swole because oh. she went after Britt Baker, and there was like a ref situation there. Oh, and okay. Jake Hager okay. is suspended too because he bumped the ref 
after the Cody match. Yeah, cool. So exactly, like it's, <laughs> it's it, it, yeah. I saw the Nile Rose. Like maybe they were rumored like Brandy, even though she's a face, might come and manage. Well, there a was heel. something that came across the wire today. Oh, that I was going to wait till the end of the card, but why not bring it up now? Nope, because so yeah, it's talking about it. Why not? Yeah. So on according to Pro Wrestling Sheet and a couple other sites. Tony Khan had like a Zoom call with one Eric Bischoff, and oh, yeah. claiming they've uh, mended the little issue they had. Uh, Tony was very praising him about you know setting the groundwork for wrestling on TNT, and I don't take it as that's going to be a one-off. Like, I just for me, like, why would we make such a big deal about this if we're not going to follow up and do something with it? Now, am I saying Bischoff is signed with the company? Not to my knowledge, but I'm not doubting it. Because why would you air that to the masses to see? I mean, that's the, mm. that's the question I pose. I mean, I don't remember if it was a, ever a big thing or a well-publicized thing that they had some sort of disagreement. Maybe if it was, this is just kind of them. Because let's be honest, Bischoff and, and I'm sure Tony Khan both know of the uh, internet wrestling community. Uh, this might be them just saying, hey, we're mending fences. You know, we're, we're kind of we're, we're burying the hatchet. We're putting the past behind us. We're moving forward, you know. Let's not continue any rumors. I, I mean, Bischoff in wrestling is better than Bischoff out of wrestling. Yeah, personally. I, agree with that. I mean, I think he's got a knack for it. I mean, I know that not all of his booking things were brilliant. I know he borrowed a lot of his ideas, you know, from New Japan and everything, but that's what the wrestling business was in the 90s. You mm-hmm. know, it was a lot of, you know, like CM Punk borrowing, you know, go to sleep, like everybody thought, you know, that wasn't into New Japan that he created it. No, I mean, he got it from Adeo. So. Yeah, I'm I'm for Bischoff back. I think it's great. If he's in AEW, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's a little weird because of the animosity that grew again from the recent firing. But at the end of the day, him in wrestling is better than him out. I agree. So. And that's why I say, like, I thought it was weird. They've had, like, a Twitter beef going where yeah. – where Tony was taking some shots and Bischoff would answer him back. So. Well, Tony's been, I mean, a little uh, – the word i'm looking for here 45 ish yeah uh you know with his twitter great account. analogy thank you um and I, I i you know at one point was like dude like especially after the whole ratings thing with this two-night fest of back-to-back wrestling pay-per-view on regular tv you know with the with the ratings and the demographic and everything yeah. he's yeah. going on and on and on i was just like guy enough like you only look childish mm. you know meanwhile vince and wwe's camp is you know quiet yeah. because the numbers were the numbers and they beat him by fifty thousand viewers each whatever week. i don't give a shit what 18 to 45 looked like i care about what zero to 99 looked like yeah and exactly and wwe won the ratings were both nights i mean they've been on a roll lately i think they won the past five weeks i want to say yeah mm-hmm. good something, something like that but i think it's very interesting with bischoff just to kind of quickly tie this up yeah, yeah. with him I think Bischoff could be Nyla's manager. Okay. And I think that would be kind of a big move uh, for their women's division if he was. I feel, like if they yeah. do, I feel like if they do that, though, it's kind of tipping their hands that they might be a little desperate in certain areas. I mean, Well, I know that's been the one that's been most criticized is their oh, women's I know. division. Oh, so. I agree with you. To me, maybe just having Taz build a faction here. I mean, he already has Cage. So maybe getting the big, you know, him being the little guy, getting these big, to me, you know, giants around him would look good. To yeah. me, to me, it just feels desperate because okay, Arn Anderson, you know, Jake the Snake, some of these, oh sure, some, some of these veterans showing up. It's like okay, they're free agents; they're not signed with WWE. I expect some of these guys to show up at some point when the when it makes sense. 
But to me, it, it kind of screams being a little desperate with where you use him if you bring in an Eric Bischoff type. If, if a Bruce Pritchard was a free agent and wasn't in his position where he is at WWE, mm. if you bring in a Bruce Pritchard or someone of that stature, to me, you know, even it'll never happen, but like a Vince Russo, yep. you know, to me it just says you are desperate. Yeah, I mean, especially with the way that they booked those guys. I mean, I know we're going on a bit of a tangent here, but, I mean, it's just, you know, they bring so many managers. Yeah, It's like. All right, I, WWE doesn't do managers, so we're gonna. Everybody's gonna have a manager. Hey, you get a manager. Yeah, it's, it, well, it goes to uh, one of the points that I think we brought up each week. In ring work is very super indie, but storyline building is very suspect. Yeah, and yeah. I think they're just trying to throw anything right now against the wall to see if it sticks. <laughs> well, they're they're trying to catch on the the you know that nostalgia factor by having Jake Snake paired with somebody, having Arn Anderson paired with somebody, you know, having Taz come back and bring back the FTW. It's like, okay, that's great and all, but it's not leading to anything. I mean, yeah. you can't have 17 managers running around the ring. Like, let's get, you know, you know, you already have three different stables. You already have, you know, 17 different managers. It's like, let's just Dial it in, focus on a path here, and build that path. Yeah. So that being said, we got to keep our eyes on that moving forward. Yep. Uh, next match after the Nyla Rose one was Colt Cabana and the Dark Order uh, ver- defeating SCU uh, in a six-person tag match. You know, I love SCU, too. They are fantastic. But Best shirt in pro wrestling right now. Facts. If you haven't seen it, go to their shop. I, I just I bet you this was bad. Well, the only thing is I, I mentioned this. I can't remember if I mentioned it on the Twitch stream or not. The, the buildup for this, I, I couldn't hear the audio too well, but they had Colt Cabana was in the in the trainer's room, and it looked like he had like a bruise or something. No, kind we of were infection. talking about this later on in the night because yeah. I didn't realize what was going on. Yeah, and I want to say the way it came across to me is they were kind of taking a shot at CM Punk's staff petty. infection storyline. Which, petty. Yeah. Yet again, we're, we're going to the petty line. Yeah. Uh, or the to the petty well, should I say. And we're still, why are we taking shots? We're trying to make ourselves so relevant, but we're supposed to be the new fresh thing. Like I say, it's frustrating as a wrestling fan to watch this. Yeah, especially, I mean, anybody who is a punk fan that might like AEW when they, I mean, to me, if I saw this and I'm a punk guy and I see AEW doing this, I'm going to be like, well, that's not necessary. Like, especially when you know the backstory of the cult punk thing yeah. and you actually dig a little deeper and find out the finer things, you're going to be like, no, 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 this ain't cool. Like, yeah. fuck that shit. Yeah, that's that's kind of the vibe I had because, like I said, Colt was on the trainer's table. He had, like, a dark purple bruise, like, going up yeah. his way. And, like I said, that kind of looked like a staff infection from what I could tell. Wow, real cool. Yeah, so, yeah. I, so yeah, this one, Colt is, like, unofficially a member, so we'll see what they do. And, like, Brody Lee's character now is Vince McMahon in a wrestling ring. But so he's not. But he's not. But he's not. He's not, though. That's not happening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep, that's my reaction. And then for your main event, Chris Jericho defeated Orange Cassidy. Now we know that Pat and I, big Orange Cassidy guys. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh yeah, got in my photo with the gentleman. Like, damn right. And I root for this young man so much because he's so fresh. One would say freshly squeezed. <laughs> I like what you did there. That I hope that this match was great. It was 25 minutes with Chris Jericho doing 22 minutes of moves. And Bummer. Cassidy must have got – Cassidy got in some – I know that they were touting this as in AEW's uh, social media about this, like, oh, what a classic, what you know, what have you. I will say this. Cassidy 
when he got some stuff in was good. Yeah. Like he did the, the shin kicks, you know, where he kind of fakes out and then you hit a real super kick. Oh, well, don't, well, don't forget behind the scenes here. We were reading the results of this whole card. Yeah. The day it aired, because this was one of the nights they taped where they allowed outside folks to come in and watch brilliant socially distanced. But those folks also took notes and wrote down what happened. And I read to Ken before we taped the segment last week, a verbatim uh, account of what was going to happen in that match. And I'm just got to the end of this and I, and I'm like, all right, let's hope they don't bury orange Cassidy on this. They buried orange Cassidy. I mean, I guess I can't speak to knowing that they did or didn't. Unfortunately, I mean, Jericho's character in this is being that of a, you know, upper, you know, one would say a Hulk Hogan-esque, you know, uh, aura around him yeah. of being bigger than the business. And, you know, Orange Cassidy's gimmick is the sloth, I guess. Yeah. I mean, King so. Of sloth, King of sloth style. Yes. I mean, the thing, thing is, though, Jericho doesn't need the win. He's yeah, he didn't. Chris, no, he didn't. That's he's true. He's Chris fucking Jericho. He's been in the business for, what, 30 years now? Well, 20, welcome. 30 years, 20, 30 years, you know, he's been around enough and he's reinvented himself more times than possibly anyone else in the business ever that it, to me, it's not a case of if a, if a Moxley loses or if a Cody loses, it hurts their stature or it hurts their, their rep a little bit. Well, you know, if it's, Jer- if to me, if it's Jericho losing, he's still Chris fucking Jericho. Yeah. Like, welcome. Doesn't, well, doesn't lose anything. This is WCW 1996. Yeah. I mean, welcome to the Hulk Hogan era of, you know, being bigger than the business and calling your shot. Yeah. You know, I mean, and they'll deny it. Oh, they'll yeah. say, they'll say that, no, 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 this fits in our, with our plans. And the zealots will say the same thing. Oh no. Orange Cassidy losing does nothing for orange Cassidy. Like it doesn't matter. No, no, no. Like this is a spot on national TV, the main event, 25 minutes in, Orange Cassidy could have won with a goddamn roll-up. Yeah. It wouldn't have hurt Jericho one way or another, and it would have been must-talked-about the next day. i tell you what would have been made it better, I think, is if, obviously, Cassidy won. But you had a situation where they went to go hit each other and do a move and missed for whatever reason, ran into the ring posts, air quotes, knocked themselves out, and you have Cassidy kind of do this like, that too. S- slow, cartoon-like, stumbling around. And he just kind of falls over and lands on him. That too, because yeah. that's worked. the Orange Cassidy style, yeah. right? They they could have done it so better, so much better, but they didn't. And for your top three stars, you should be pushing MJF, yeah, Adam yeah. Page, yeah, Orange Cassidy, yeah. That's your three you should be building if you're AEW. The fact that you're not, let's say, because let's let's remember, people know Moxley. You know, it might be a different name. People aren't stupid. They recognize the face. Yeah, yeah. but people, I mean. People know the Young Bucks. People know Kenny Omega. The, you know, the crowd that watches AEW. They know the Bucks. They know Cody. They know Kenny. You know, they know Jericho. They know Jack Hager. They know all of the, they know Brody Lee. You know, it's, it, like you said, it's the MJFs. It's the Adam Pages. It's the Orange Cassidy's. Yeah. I think Mox being champion, though, is, is that's, that's, you know, catching lightning in a bottle. Because that was good timing, great match, yeah. you know, great story yeah. and everything. Moxley looks like a million bucks in an AEW ring because he can work the Moxley style that he wants to work versus being the lunatic fringe, which, you know, was obviously not the, his type of in-ring work. Um, but, no, I mean, I agree, though, that the, the underlying characters, the MJFs, you know, the 
you know, the Orange Cassidy's. And I mean, honestly, Orange Cassidy would have been great of an entire year. And then all of a sudden that all in, you know, he's put in a big spotlight match and all of a sudden it clicks and he turns it on. Now the rest of the year, he's wrestling these five-star classics because he's like, no, 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 I get this now. I, I know what I need to do, but you know, whatever I, but again, yeah, I mean, MJF now is what, you know, a mid card fodder. Yep. Yeah. I know he got hurt, but you can still with a hurt wrestler catch you know, a little bit of, of steam, you know, Ooh. especially when he's that good of a heel. Well, on night one, he opened the show. Right. Yeah, so instead, right, right. Yeah, so it's like you're you're burying your top talent to keep what I, I hate saying already made stars on top, but it's it's looking like that. Yeah, I bet that's not what they're doing. No, I'm sure they weren't doing this to begin with. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm sure if you if you want to talk to any of the we, we always refer to them as the Kool Aid drinkers, the ones that well, zealots, Kool Aid drinkers, yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. If you talk to anybody that's so diehard AEW, they're saying, oh, this is so fresh, this is so new, please explain to me. I would yeah. be more than willing to have a reasonable conversation with tell, anybody about tell, this. Tell me how Kenny Omega now is going to be built up in year two when he was one of the hottest commodities two years ago. And he's ice cold now. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, in your whole tag team division, which you which you say is your... Touted? Yeah, is, is your major piece of your puzzle. This is what sets us apart from WWE. You have a makeshift tag team as your champions. Yep. And you're beating your well-established tag teams, and your up-and-coming tag teams. And instead of having the belts in play for this FTR Young Buck match, they're on, yeah, the makeshift tag team. Yeah, they're going to be on the makeshift tag team, which you're teasing a heel turn for one of them, which I I still don't know which one's going to be. I know everybody says it's going to be Adam Page, but I don't think so right now. Well, when the crowds were in front of them, they were very pro-Page. Yeah. So what do you do? AEW has got a lot of answers to figure out, and I mean, let's look at the other two in you know titles, yeah. both on ex WWE guys. Yeah. So. So how are you really re- reinventing the wheel? I'm all ears. Please, 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 please tell, me. tell me. Because I know they have another card going up this Wednesday. That's supposed to be another pay per view type event. Hmm. But coming off the heels of what their competitors are doing, does it even matter at this point? Because let's talk about NXT quick. Yeah. Let's bask in its glory. I love what you did there. Yeah. Kick us off, Pat. Yeah, so uh, open the show, you had Candice LeRae defeat Mia Yim in a street fight, and holy shit, this match was hard-hitting. Yeah, it was a great fucking like, match. Just, don't be- I mean, what else can you say? Don't yeah. believe me, go to Mia Yim's social media. I forget if it was Twitter or Instagram where she posted the uh, after effects of her street fight with Candice LeRae. My God. Mia yeah. Yim can work. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, I love her in the ring. And Candice LeRae obviously is Candice LeRae. I, yeah. mean, I loved everything about this. It did everything an opener match should do. Yep. Yeah. Got me hyped up at, at home watching. So, yeah. I, you know, if this was in front of a live crowd, the the pop would have been a no, for sure, out of oh, control. Yeah. Out yeah. of control. Uh, after that, you had Bronson Reed defeat Tony Nice. I I will say, if you're going to do a squash match, this one wasn't the worst one to yeah, do. I no, mean, Bronson Reed is is a character that they're obviously working on. You know, and Tony Nice is uh, a good in ring worker, so it made it made sense. It, it was a squash match. But they made it look like it wasn't. Yeah, right. they made Nice look like he could actually compete. Yeah. Which yeah. they should because he obviously competes for the cruiserweight title. So yeah. I mean, you yeah. can't bury him. Yeah. So. so AEW should take notice with the Janela and uh, oh, Archer. I'm hey take, oh, I'll take the shot. There. Hey, oh, I like it. Uh, after that, you had Johnny Gargano defeat Isaiah Swerve Scott. So I'm going to put an asterisk on this one, though. Okay. Okay. We saw this here in next site. That's true. Yeah, this was actually a match we've seen before. So All right. I, I have to be very honest. Like I was expecting it to be much like that, if not improved, and it was. Great. Yeah, no, this was a great match. This would have been the match of the weekend or week, but uh, there was one that outtook it. Yeah. But I loved everything about this match. Yeah, great match. And I tell you what, 
Swerve Scott is on his way up the oh, card. Oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. He's very – yeah, everybody's talking about him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after that, you had a six-person tag match with Joaquin Wilde, Raul Mendoza, and Santos Escobar defeating Drake Maverick and Brizongo. Nothing really. I mean, so okay. you gotta okay. you gotta come down. You yeah. know, you got three. Yeah. You know, two and a half hot matches. You gotta have a come down. And yeah. I'm I'm all whatever Brizango does. I'm all for. I love the two of them. They work hard. They they work well together. Flourishing in NXT. Yeah. yeah. And and they're in a great spot where they need to be in NXT versus on the main roster. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I, I fully agree. Like it, you knew that they were going to push the Escobar faction. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? I have no issue with that. Let's no. see where they go with it. Um, and if, if it adds something to the Cruiserweight title, too, mm-hmm. which I think they need to work on. Like, if, if there's one area that WWE needs to work on is their Cruiserweight division. Yeah, they I mean, to, it's they, kind of an afterthought with 205 Live just yeah. kind of in the fodder here. Right. So if they actually tie it into more with NXT, make it an NXT style show and start going the same way they just do. Just put it on the cart. Yeah, just make NXT. It, like, if you have it. to make it a three-hour show, make it a three-hour show. Like, yeah. I mean, well, obviously, just air it right after NXT. I or think, just... Not just bury the 205 Live and just do it with NXT. Yeah, because I, I mean, that's the crowd that 205 Lives needs. Yeah. Once things come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree with you. Because I think it, it gets lost in the shuffle on Friday night after SmackDown. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you, we went when we went to our SmackDown Live show, we were like, the fir- the opening match, I mean, it started at 10.05 taping. Mm-hmm. And the opening match was like, you know, Joe Schmo versus Joe Sixpack. And Aaron and I were like, and let's go like yeah, well, especially after you've been there for two hours you know cheering your brains out yeah. for the likes of braun Strowman, roman reigns you know the fiend exactly and, and all them, these other big names just put them on nxt and let them cat you know have it be like w the nitro mm-hmm. you know let that be the opening match to some of these yeah. nxt takeovers and let them just go yeah uh after that you had mercedes martinez defeat santana garrett and the short match but holy crap they made mercedes look strong yeah, yeah. absolutely Woo. so can't wait to see what she does in the division yep yeah and they need and uh, they need another body in that division too. oh yeah uh, and then for the main event, you had Keith Lee taking on Adam Cole, you know, NXT North American Championship uh, and the NXT Championship up for grabs. Winner take all. Keith Lee, bask in his glory, defeated Adam Cole. Amazing match. Amazing oh match. Oh, my God, insane. Match of the year candidate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Without question. Keith Lee has risen up the ranks. He is a bona fide superstar. Oh, in the making. Yeah. I mean, obviously, in the NXT eyes, which is separate from the main roster, and it's unfortunate that that's the way it is. But, yeah, I mean, he will be some sort of world champion on the main roster in the next five years. Oh, without mm-hmm. question. Without question. Game-changing performance here. This one, Adam Cole ends the f- over 400-day reign yeah. of being an NXT champion. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? If you're going to lose, this is the way to do it. Sure. Yeah. Very back and forth. Engaged the entire time. Huge win. The pyro goes off. You're setting up the feud against Karrion Cross. After love this, I'll say yeah. The ending was probably the best ending and tease to what they're go doing down the road that I've ever seen. More so than when they did it a uh, couple years ago with Tommaso Ciampa, you know, where where Johnny won or whatever the hell it was, and he was standing in the ring or something when he did, and you had Ciampa in the rafters just kind of staring there long. I was like, okay, we all knew he was coming back at some point. This one though, where you just see Scarlett Bordeaux and, and Karrion Cross in the rafters, menacingly, and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, and I mean, the two of them will be oh, just huge. TikTok physical. TikTok. Yeah. I can't wait for this feud to get going. And I mean, Undisputed Era is still right in the mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I think the the smart move would be 
I don't think put so. them up. I uh, know they won't, but yeah, no, that would be the smart move. But I don't as as much as they've done for the company and is in terms of eyes and dollars that they've brought in, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, they can't. They can't because you take Adam Cole off of that Wednesday night, which is the you know that NXT crowd, that you know indie ROH crowd, mm-hmm. and you pull him out. That's going to take half go- the eyeballs off. NXT. As good as everyone in Undisputed Era is, and they are some of the best on the roster. You know, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Put them on either Raw or SmackDown; they will get lost in the shuffle. Sure. Well, that's what everybody's watching about Matt Riddle. Yeah, right. I think he's somebody you really got to watch to see how they handle him yeah. now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just I'm thinking like Adam Cole. You know, being uh, a face Undisputed Era coming in to take on the Monday Night Messiah. Oh. It, he has a lot of potential great feuds to come up if they want to call him yeah, up. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, no, I I'm just, just, I'm just wondering if he's going to take time off and then come back. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can because I mean, it's not like you know Shawn Michaels like when he left DX, there was Triple H right there. Yeah. I mean, you take Adam Cole out of Undisputed Era, it's like who's going to be you the have, you, face of that? You'd have to make Roddy. Which is not impossible to do. Yeah, but, but he's not the mic that. Yeah, that's the, that's one area you got. You know, yeah. So I don't know where they're gonna go. But what I'm bringing up in comparison. So we've compared the nights two of the Great American Bash sure. and Fighter Fest. We're gonna read over to close out the segment. What's scheduled for Fight for the Fallen this week? With this card that we're gonna compare at the end, I want to know: Are you more amped up to watch a normal NXT? Okay. Or this card, and I will try to put my yeah, just fairest opinion. So go ahead. Yes, yeah, so we're just gonna go off matches. Fight for the Fallen is supposed to be their uh, sequel to their charity show they did last year, where Omega almost slid. Yeah, it was it was night and oh. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely uh, not one of their better nights in my opinion. So that being said. Fight for the Fallen is going to be going down. Pad, do you got the card? Yeah, so Fight for the Fallen uh, matches in no particular order. Uh, you have John Moxley taking on Brian Cage in a singles match for the AEW World Championship. Okay. Uh, you've got Cody Rhodes uh, going against Sonny Kiss in a singles match for the AEW TNT Championship. Okay, right on. You've got FTR taking on the Lucha Bros in a tag team match. And then you've got the Elite, that being Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson taking on Jurassic Express uh, in a six-man tag team match. Uh, and then you've got the Nightmare Sisters, that being Allie and Brandy Rhodes, uh, versus TBA in a tag team match. Okay, so reading that, Coach, just going card for card. Yep. Are you more excited for NXT or are you more excited for AEW this Wednesday? So uh, some of those matches interest me. You know, the the uh, Brian Cage, Dean Ambrose, because it's a contrast in styles. Cage being the big guy and Dean Ambrose being, you know, just a worker. Um, the FTR versus Lucha Brothers interests me, piques me because I'm like, will this be, you know, a true like FTR fist and and no, you know, whatever they say, you know, yeah, no, no flips, just fist, yeah, no flips, just fist. Uh, will it be them actually working that style, or are they going to work the Lucha Brothers style? So that will be fun to see where their characters go as far as that, you know, what they what they deem uh, their worker their style is and. Um, that's really it. You know, the, the Omega, the Bucks thing, you know, they haven't been working together. So bringing them back as the elite versus Jurassic, whatever. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but those two matches I am interested in, I would dabble in, but that's it. So I would probably lean 
NXT just because it's only two of five matches on a card that have me interested. Uh, zero out of five matches on this card that Ooh. interest me. Not a single one. Moxley versus Cage? Eh. Yeah, you know, yeah, Mo- I can see that. Moxley, it's the same style I've seen in WWE. It's nothing new about the only thing I like that's new about him is his entrance music because that's an awesome entrance theme. You know, Cody versus Sonny Kiss? Meh. 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 I've seen both of them wrestle in person, so eh. Nothing exactly right and home about. FTR versus Lucha Bros? feel like i've seen that anytime you know ftr took on you know uh usos in wwe hi seen that already maybe to a lesser extent but seen that already uh elite versus jurassic express couldn't care less yeah and then you look at uh whoever ali and brandy Rhodes are going to be taking on it's let's be honest we for all last week we were like oh we wonder who you know uh nyla rose is going to take on and it was local enhancement it's probably going to be the same thing here. I mean, this Brandy Alley Road story is just leading to Alley turning on them and going back with Butcher and the Blade anyway. So it's yeah, like, no, so like out of the yeah. f- out of the you five know. they've announced, I couldn't care less. I will say this: I am more excited about NXT. Yeah, and they've sure. got I, I, they've got two matches announced. Uh, only two matches announced. That's Damian Priest versus Cameron Grimes, and then the NXT Women's Championship will be up for grabs between Io Shirai and Tegan Knox. I mean, anytime you announce Io Shirai's wrestling, I am on board for that. Yeah, same here. And Tegan has definitely been the surprise number one contender. Yeah. That's going to be a fun match. Yep. And you know this the Cameron Grimes thing. The, I love his finisher. I yeah. mean, the character yeah. doesn't do anything for me, but that double stomp. Ooh. You know that like. The, the Spider-Man-esque, like, well, fuck. There was the one match, I forget, it was a couple months ago, where he came out in, like, eight seconds or something and just double-stomped the guy, and that was it. I was yeah, like, wait, yeah. Watch, this, watch this happen. Well, he's always been doing that on the indies, but that's Sure. Great. But, you know, where he, he they got smart in WWE about that because he was using, it like, super kicks oh, yeah. on oh, the indies, yeah. and now that's his finisher. So I think that's... Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Is I'd never heard of the guy, and I'd never seen the guy, so this guy comes out, and I'm like, who the hell is... Oh, shit, the match is over. Yeah, he... Yeah. He, yeah Grimes has been tearing it up like an impact, and... um uh, uh, what you call it, PWG. Okay. That's what I was trying to think. That's where I've always seen him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the yeah. highlights of him on PWG, yeah. yeah. So that being said, I'm more excited about NXT because looking at this card on paper for fight for the Fallen, Coach, you hit it right on the head. The Elite for Jurassic Express, I could care less about. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you have one half of your tag team uh, champions teaming again with the Bucks. To where they haven't been working together in like the last three months since no. the whole uh, – uh, whatever the Jericho's group is versus yeah, the inner, inner circle. Yeah, yeah, the inner circle yeah. versus the elite. You know, once that fizzled out, which it did fizzle. It oh, did, yeah. You know, it just... Blah. There's no luster to it. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, like this one, you know, is I don't want to say it's going to be a squash fest, but unless Jurassic Express pulls off a win... This one, you already know how this is going to end up. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a triple super kick, one, two, three. Yeah, Marco yeah. Stunt's going to go flying in the third row. Yeah. so no, I, I'm, just, I'm just interested in NXT just to see if uh, Shotzi Blackheart runs over Robert Stone's foot again with her tank. Oh, like, she, like, she did, like she did last week because she threatened to do it again. Yeah, because honestly. Cause that was hilarious. Because other than, than um, Moxley and, and Cage, like which I have a mild interest for. Sure. Uh, yeah. Just a mild yeah. I'm only excited about seeing Cody versus Sonny Kiss because I love to see Sonny Kiss on TV, and they have not used him anywhere near where he should be right. on the card. Yeah, but that's but honestly, like looking at the rest of the card, I'm just like I don't even care. Like I'm I'm gonna be watching. Don't don't get me well, wrong. Well, you have to. I have to because <laughs> my contract with Eight One Two Two Productions. I have yeah, to watch. You have to. Thanks, Rich. Yeah. Thanks a lot. But I'll be definitely tw- live tweeting about Wednesday night. I hope everybody joins in at OD Parlayar on Twitter and hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What do you think won the Wednesday Night War this past week, AEW or NXT? And are you excited for Fight for the Fallen 
or you could be watching NXT. I definitely, you know what? I'll throw up a Twitter poll after this episode comes out. Sure. I want to get the vibe of everybody to see because obviously we're going to be talking about it next week as well. So stay tuned for that. That being said, the music you heard at the beginning of the show is out of Fair City Fire. They're our friends from Austin, Texas. They're an amazing band. Brian Wolf has been putting out a new song every Friday on Instagram, doing some covers, doing some Fair City Fire tracks. So you definitely want to check that out. Where do you find out about all that? Simple. OchoDuroParleyHour.com and head on over to the music section. Also on the ODPH webpage, you can check out the ODPH directory, which has friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming Pad. He's still apologizing for Ratchet and Clank. But I don't think you want to hear any of it from the way you're going off about Mazvidal. So I'm just going to leave you alone oh, right I'm now. So, I'm sorry. Did you say something? Wow. <laughs> Pad came with some heat this episode. Man. And you can also check out everything going on with Excite Wrestling. And Johnny Moose, like I said, with here locally in the 607, the Oakdale Mall, where Excite is located, is going to be reopening July 20th, tentatively with everything going on right now. So I'm not doubting you're going to hear something from Mr. Moose and company. So definitely stay tuned for that. Also on the ODPH directory, you can check out links for Black Lives Matters organizations and voter registration, along with all the amazing pod groups that we are in. So shout out to Pod Nation, shout out to Alternate Reality Radio, shout out to Legion Independent Podcast, shout out to Hashtag 67 Podcast, and shout out to the Apocalypse, which is doing their pod raids today. And you can see in the liner notes that they're reviewing the one and only Cheers to Comics. Shout out to Brian Wayne doing his thing. And he has been actually on the ODPH many, many times. We've got to get him back in here sooner than later as well. So to find out everything going on there, and especially everything going on with 8122 Productions, which we were definitely tearing it up on Twitch Saturday night. Until Mother Nature got involved. Yes, Mother Ugh. Nature decided to cancel the plans. So twitch.tv slash 607podcast. You can definitely check that out. We got some I- more streaming ideas coming along down the road here. I want to say tentatively we're, we're debating if we're going to do Extreme Rules, which is coming up this Sunday. I didn't even want to talk about the card, really, because yeah. if they're doing yeah. a CGI, I, or CGI. Rumor has it. I for an eye match. Yeah, that's, that's all you really need to say about that. So we'll definitely recap it next week, probably, but I didn't want to get into it this week. But you can definitely check out everything that's going on with our friends over at 8122 Productions. Shout out to Rich Ron, hashtag Big Nanny Cool. Still on Twitter, Pat. Oh, boy. Definitely still doing everything behind a Patreon wall that he can. For Love is Scary and I Love Movies, $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. All of that, plus more links to the ODPH. Everything that is the ODPH can be found on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. For the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. And shout out to Lo- Brewers first baseman Logan Morrison. Uh, when asked if it's going to be weird without uh, by with playing in baseball stadiums with no fans, he said, quote, for me, it's not going to be that difficult. I played for the Rays and the Marlins. Wow. I'm your host, Kenem. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.